Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. From the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis, it's 7 o'clock, your time check. Brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley is here, Super Bowl champ. Kerry Davis is here. I'm Randy Carricker, And Craig Ruby is still not the head coach of the St. Louis Blues. That's your no. headline today. I was He's hoping still not. Something like when we went to sleep the night before, he was fired. Maybe when we went to sleep last night. They said, you know, like George Steinbrenner and uh, Billy Martin back in the day. Yeah, (laughs) bring them on back. You know what? Twenty-four hours was enough. We realized that press conference was uh, intriguing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We'll hear from Doug Armstrong uh, and what he had to say yesterday throughout the course of the morning. We're also going to talk later on with Bernie Federico, the Hockey Hall of Famer. He's played for a few coaches for the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Mike Yo in studio at 8.45. I always enjoyed, guys, uh, Mike Yo uh, when he, uh, before Craig Ruby replaced him. Uh, uh, no, 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 not that Mike Yo. I think that's a, we got a different Mike Yo. That's, <laughs> wow. that's a different spelling Oh, Mike Yo. That Yo, oh. Mike Yo was, uh, he was oh. removed, uh, released of his duties as a coach. He's not, no, not that guy. This guy's a comedian. No, okay. He's funny, into, though. He, is, he didn't okay. go into comedy after getting fired from the Blues. And then uh, Greg Ensinger's in L.A. for the Shohei Otani press conference that the Dodgers are going to stage tonight. And Greg will join us later than usual on Friday Eve. It, it will be Greg Ensinger at... 9:15. The Blues back in action tonight. First game under Drew Bannister. It's a six o'clock pregame and a seven o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. Blues take on Vladimir Tarasenko and the Ottawa Senators. Should be interesting to have Vladdy back in town. I hope they give him a nice, uh, uh, a nice. I, I just hope that he gets a, a video that uh, you know is worthy of his career here in St. Louis because he was such a key member of the St. Louis Blues for such a long time. Vladdy. You had that 37-goal season. You had the shoulder injuries. But we remember. We remember the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. We remember you being the man for so many years. Wearing number 91. Scoring two goals in your debut against the Wings when we really hated him. Vladdy, thank you for being a great member of the St. Louis community. Thank you very much for your contribution to the economy of the Italian restaurant scene here in town. And uh, thank you very much for what you've done for St. Louis. Did you love the Italian restaurant scene here? Oh, carry out after games, baby. There's, oh. there's, a, there's, a, there's a reason that we had Big Vladdy in the playoffs. <laughs> <Randy>. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just, uh, I'm just saying. You probably shouldn't eat that every night. Not every night, but nah. after a game before you go to bed? Yeah, yeah that's not... Uh, I mean, I know you gotta you know, replenish your, yourself yeah. after a game, but maybe not every night. <laughs> So uh, Doug Armstrong did hold a press conference yesterday after he had fired Craig Berube. Mm, Fired mm, him. mm. Fired him. Uh, And it's interesting because 
As we know, the Blues said during the offseason, Tom Stillman said, here, we aren't going to be elite. Before the season started, Doug Armstrong said, yeah, I want to be in the middle third of teams. And here we are, about a third of the way into the season, and the Blues were in the middle third, lower part of the middle third. Mm -hmm. But something happened after we had a segment where we said, the Blues got to win three out of four against three of the bottom five teams in the league. And Army clearly was listening to that and was paying attention and that's when he started thinking about what he did. When you when you get up and you read the clippings the next day and, and uh, the players from the opposition, the coaches are, what a character win, what a gutsy win. I can't believe we did that last night. We're undermanned. We played the night before against a rested team. So if they feel that way about their performance, <laughs> how would we feel about our performance? Not I personally didn't feel well about our performance and you, you try and extend someone you have as much respect for and Craig as much latitude and, and rope as possible. But last night's game against a depleted Detroit team that was tired looked a lot like a depleted Columbus team that was tired and a depleted Chicago team. And there just wasn't a feeling that there was something that was going to change today if we just came in and went back to work that would make tomorrow different. And so Drew Bannister will try to get the most out of this team. I'm not so sure that Craig Ruby didn't get the most out of this team, but from an effort standpoint, and clearly from a production standpoint, it hadn't happened in the last four games for Craig Bruby. No, I mean, that was the biggest story of the season is inconsistency. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really interesting. Martin Kilcoyne had a question about that, about the message just possibly getting stale with any coach over time. You know, you could mm-hmm. do a lot, but over time, your message gets stale with your group, especially with a lot of different changes and guys coming in and out. And I thought it was interesting with what he said, where he said that him and Craig Bruby would have these conversations before every game of what is the message going into the game and then he'd be excited to see the message and then he'd watch the game and he could tell that the message was not there on the ice it's something that we've talked about all the time but I go back to Shin's comments this past weekend where he made it very clear like there's some guys who are not putting in consistent intensity all the time this is on the players not executing. So, yes, you can sit there and preach the message all the time. And, Carrie, I know that you have some thoughts on this because you can preach it all the time, but you also can't force the execution out there. At the end of the day, the players play the game. And I'll say this to the end of time. I can call the best player in the world, and the player could run it incorrectly, and then we don't have a great play. Or I can call the worst player in the world, and something happens where a player makes an outstanding play, and we're like, oh, why did that happen? Great call. No, that wasn't me. That was him. <laughs> it's on the players to do their job. And if Craig Berube is telling Army, this is the message, this is what we need to work on, this is the things that we talked about and what we're going to do in this game, and then you turn on that game and you see none of that, well, either you didn't tell them that or they ain't listening. So one one or the other is happening, and it, it becomes a, a so frustrating to watch over and over and over again. And some things that Armstrong said yesterday that were, were really, I think, intriguing to me, he, he admitted the team obviously is inconsistent. He said, and nobody in this group should feel safe. Right. That to me was alarming. That That, yeah, we had to fire one person due to the fact that I can't fire five or six. He said roster mo- roster changes are hard to make, meaning I can't turn this entire roster over or move four or five guys within a, a year span or a six-month span. I can remove one guy and hope that you all get the message. You're not safe. He's gone, but 
you could be mm-hmm. next. And I think that that was a, a very telling message for everyone in that room to understand, look, we got to be better. And if not, thing people are going to be gone. Now, one of the interesting things that I thought occurred was there used to be a, a high level of confidence um, uh, uh, in Doug Armstrong about Craig Bruby. This is what Army had to say. Last November, not this November of 23, but November of 22, about 10% of the way into the season. I told the players the coach is not going anywhere uh, because the coach came from the American Hockey League where he coached young players and made them better. And he coached veteran players and, and made them win here. So he's, he can do both. So, uh, so he's going to be here. I believe in the coach. I believe in the system. And it's this isn't a system issue; it's a competitive issue, and we have to we have to rectify that. And I do say, I do believe in the group. Uh, that's a very self-serving thing to say because I put the group together, uh, and ultimately, it's my responsibility to to judge what they do. So that was last November. So Jeremy Rutherford asked yesterday in the press conference, "What changed?" Well. Uh, we were we were we were a team that was expected to be good with veteran players that he had that he had gotten the most out of we had again 110 points the year before and we're talking what was that before five weeks into the season you know so what what has changed a year has changed a year of information has changed so a year of information changed. I guess what was left out there was last year he had the ability, and throughout his American Hockey League career, Craig Bruby had the ability to make young players better. Evidently, he's lost that ability. Well, he also said we were a team of veteran players. And are they still a team of veteran players? Or do you consider them, you lose O'Reilly, you lose Tarasenko, you trade those guys Barbashev. away, Barbashev. The team is different. The veteran players, mm-hmm. the veteran leadership is out the door. They're in different cities and, and they're they're having success in other places. And now you're leaning on a younger group of guys to be the ones to carry on the tradition or, or, or you know, keep it going in the direction. And I, I just don't think that it has been it hasn't been done. And and okay. I'm sure it's extremely frustrating for him and it's it's frustrating for us as, as fans watching. You, you could put Scotty Bowman behind the bench with this group. And they're still going to be middle third. They might be a little bit better than where they are, but they're still going to be a middle third team. You can't squeeze blood out of a turnip. No, uh, yeah, that's a that's a saying for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say that I've heard that one before. You've coming off guard, no, I've never heard that yeah, one before. But I'm going to go use that about twenty times today. Yeah. That'll be my new signature saying. But. That's what I'm kind of confused about because we talked about this yesterday. The expectations weren't that high for this group coming in. We had Tom Stillman say that. We had Doug Armstrong saying that. It seemed like everybody was on the same page of what the expectations were for this team, and they are doing that. Now, are they playing consistently every single night and have these losses been great? No, but at the same time, I thought that they were doing exactly what was expected of them. So my big question today is, what can you get out of this group? What kind of coach can come in here and get the most out of this group? And guys, let's be honest here. I think that it's getting the most out of Jordan Kyrie, right? Because Doug Armstrong spoke about that yesterday, about how definitely this is not what they want to see from Jordan Kyrie this season, especially early on. We know about his lack of goals here lately, but... What kind of coach can come in here and get the most, not just out of Jordan Kyrou, but this entire group, the young players, the veterans? And 
I think the other question that we don't know the answer to is what is Jordan Cairo's ultimate upside? Granted, they they Army gave him the contract because he believes that he has a chance to be a star player. He's being play, paid yeah. like a star pay, player, right? But can he be a 37-goal guy that doesn't play defense, or can he be a guy that plays okay defense but doesn't score? Or can he put it all together and be that guy at the age of 25? He's not a kid anymore, and at some point, he's got to produce, or you've got the old white elephant. I I, I think the frustrating part for me is when we talk about who can get the most out of this guy. You don't, as a pro athlete, you're a self-starter. You don't need, it's not, it's not. Carrie, I think that's a problem here. It's not Little League. I don't yeah. have to give you all a, a wonderful, man, go do your damn job. You want motivation? Do you get, we got paid on Tuesday. Tuesday is your damn <laughs> Carrie. motivation, man. Carrie, <laughs> the reason they're self-starters is because you don't have to start them. And, and <laughs> clearly, Cairo is not a self-starter, right? He's got a guy that continually has to be motivated. And even when a coach who's, he was a great motivator. Craig Ruby's going to go somewhere like Army said, and he's going to succeed at a high level as a coach. But when you have a guy that you have to convince to play hard every day, and he's making eight million dollars a year, that's a problem. Yeah. And that's and that's why I said yesterday. And I don't know about from a personality standpoint, but clearly, when your highest paid player is a guy that you have to try to convince to play hard every day, that's a coach killer. Yeah. It is, and that's exactly what happened it's in this happened. situation. Yep. Just to give you this quote on what Armstrong said about Jordan Cairo, he said, I'm not trying to throw Jordan Cairo under the bus by any stretch, but if he envisioned where do I want to be at this point in the year, he wouldn't say that it's right where I want to be. Our job now is to get him where he wants to get to. Yeah, and... That, well, that last line is so yep. telling, where, where he wants yeah, to get where to. Where does he want to get to? That's the question, and that's the scary question if you're paying the guy $8 million a year for the next seven years. One more quote from yesterday, and this is Jordan Binnington, when asked about his reaction to Army telling the players, it's on them now. I think kind of the message was, you know, if you're not if you're not here to, to be great or to do what it takes to win, to make a difference, to sacrifice for your team, then get out of here. So, um, you know, we've got to be proud to wear that Blue Note jersey and, and proud to be part of this organization and, and play for this city. And if you're not, just, just get out of here because, uh, you know, we're not wasting time. I think these are special years. Um, you know, being able to play in the NHL, it's, it's a privilege and um, it's not going to be forever. So I, I think uh, a good good amount of us, you know, we, we understand that and we want to make the most of our time. I hope you're watching on the Air Alliance Team Studio Cam on YouTube at 101 ESPN STL and watching Kerry Davis here. Man, that that's not good, man. Like, I don't want to say it's falling apart at the seams because I don't know if it's got you fired your coach. I mean, you, you you got this is the you got players, you got the GM, you got people talking about certain players, and I, and I will say this. This is not just Jordan Cairo no. to to dump and pile on him, and and maybe it's not him at all. But there are multiple people in that locker room that are deciding every single day that I don't give a damn about y'all. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to do for me, mm-hmm. and that is the most selfish way to go about it. And you will never have great long success. When you have teammates that think like that, 
those people have to be removed. You have to get them out of your locker room. You have to get them out of your life Mm -hmm. because if they are still around, they will continue to have that mindset. And then that mindset just kind of trickles down. There's a young player in that locker room that is watching this, that that may be a a, a guy that's been there three or four years, five, six years, and you got a year, a guy that's been there one or two years, he's watching, he's like, oh, okay, well, if I don't like it, I just do that. No, don't do that, man. Don't do that. Don't. The the best thing somebody can call you is a good teammate. That's mm-hmm. the that's the ultimate man. That's my you know what that man is a pro and that is a damn good teammate. If you're not called that, then you don't you're looked at in a different way in that locker room. And this is very this is disheartening to hear because it, it somebody should have been punched in the face months ago. And guys, the reason and I think Brooke you'll agree with this that Jordan Cairo is a beacon is because he was evaluated as as a star, yes. paid as a star, but doesn't exhibit star effort on a regular basis. If everybody thought he was trying hard and was just playing in bad luck or had been misevaluated, but was a hard-working player, I don't think anybody would have a problem with it. No. Blues fans love a hard-working player. If yeah. You can pay Kelly Chase, who worked his butt off all the time, you can pay Kelly Chase that amount of money, and if he plays the way he played with that sort of effort, people will love him. Probably not be thrilled with the fact that he's your highest-paid player, but they'd love the hard work. Kairou is not exhibiting either the way he was evaluated from a talent standpoint or the effort of being worthy of being the highest-paid player on the team. Well, and also, the thing is, is CD, you're completely right. It's not just Jordan Cairo. This is a bigger issue here. But at the same time, I think that the reason that Jordan Cairo gets brought up so much is, to your point, Randy, because of this big contract, because people have these high expectations, and how many press conferences have we had now where it seems like, the question of Jordan Cairo's effort mm-hmm. are being brought up not by media members, but actually by Doug Armstrong or even Craig Berube. How many times have we heard that now? A lot. Too many. So that, that's the problem there. By the way, Jacob Verona was sent down yesterday and they are bringing up Mackenzie McEachran oh, from right. Springfield. So there's that, I guess, problem being solved right there, I, I guess. Maybe it's a wake-up call for Jakob. I don't think I don't I don't know. But and that's the he thing got, is he, he got waived from or, or released from the uh, was it Red Wings? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So I don't know that that's a wake up call. But he wants to play, and if you want to play, you got to play better. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a oxymoron. <laughs> Coming up here on 101 ESPN, we didn't get to it yesterday because of the Craig Bruby firing being so hot. Very rarely do you get a chance for a Thursday, Ask Uncle Randy, but we've got it today. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Or you can uh, join us on the uh, Air Alliance team studio cam, and you can just uh, leave us a note there. Wherever you want to ask Uncle Randy about this holiday season, about the blues, about what's going on in your life, I'm happy to answer a question for you next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 101 ESPN. The text line is open. I hope you're happy today. I hope you're having a great Friday Eve so far. Maybe wrapping up some of that holiday shopping or just enjoying yourself, enjoying some of the great food and drink that's available this season. Hope your uh, your young love is blooming and you're thinking about what 
I should do in a couple of weeks to make my life even better? Well, the text line is open and Ask Uncle Randy's advice is available for you. So send in your text right now. Matthew will have the question. Obviously, you have the resources of uh, Uncle Carrie and Aunt Brooke as well. So uh, feel free to join us and get some free advice. So now you know via radio. Uh, Matthew, what do we got? This is a fantastic one. Uncle Randy, how do you deal with the immense anger brought on by standstill traffic? We've been crawling for an hour, and I've never felt the white-hot rage of a dying star more in my entire life. (laughs) Okay, Uh, that's a great question, and I do appreciate it. So uh, 30-year-old Randy is a lot different than 60-year-old Randy. 30-year-old Randy, one time, got stuck in the St. Patrick's Day parade. I had a noon sports open line at KMOX. And uh, Brooke, you know the garage well over at Gateway oh, Tower, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Going down Walnut. And I'm stopped at Fourth uh, Street. And there's a parade going by, and I can't get through. <laughs> and I'm there at 1130. And I'm there at 1135. And I've got a little Honda CRX, little tiny car. And about 1140, 1141, 1142, I'm thinking, oh, I might not make it and start my open line. They're going to have dead air. And what does 30-year-old Randy do? Ah, Probably 28-year-old Randy. I start pounding on my steering wheel. And I literally bent my steering wheel. And for the rest of the time I had that little Honda CRX, the steering wheel was bent backward. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, Finally, I just pulled right out in front of some horses and went past them and got in and got on the air right at noon. That was... That was... 28, 30-year-old Randy. Uh, 60, 61-year-old Randy is a different animal. I breathe. I, as you know, Carrie, I I say this to you all the time. (laughs) Smell the flowers. (sighs) Blow out the candles. I breathe. I listen to music that I like. And I, and this is a key because I do this every day of my life now. I choose happiness. Rather than anger and impatience and violence, I choose happiness. And I make it a conscious decision to sit there in traffic and say, you know what? There's not a damn thing I can do about this, and I'm not going to worry about things I can't control. That's the important part. There is literally nothing you can do about it. Mm -hmm. Nothing legal. You know, you you sit there, you be patient. You're all going through it. Hopefully you got enough gas and you got mm-hmm. enough time to you don't have to use the restroom. You can just sit there and, and, and hold on. I, I may or may not have used a curse word as I took out my frustration and anger on the steering wheel that one time. Uh, I told you, I was in L.A. and on the 405 and saw my exit, and I think I sat there for two more hours. And about an hour in, Randy, I, was, I did contemplate just leaving that damn car right there and walking. But, you know. It'd be faster. I feel like that's more torture just sitting there looking at your exit knowing. Uh, Question. Is there another city in America that doesn't call their highways the? We have 270. We have 70. We have 170. We have 64. Is there any other city in America that doesn't call their highways the? The 405. The 10. The 35. Whatever. What about uh, Nicheville? Uh, Do they call the highways the? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. I, I think this is very unique. Like when I moved here, a lot of people say the farty far. Mm-hmm. Farty far. The farty farty far. far. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It seems like uh, other cities, it's they, they call their highway numbers the. 
Rocks. Matthew. Why did you get so bothered? We, the party you, far. What's you, wrong with that? Because we, we we make fun of your accent. It's like, hey, hey, hey now. <laughs> you decided to take a little pot shot. No, far. I love it. I, some far. beloved it, people it, who I just can't talk a little it. correctly. Like the first time I heard it, I was like, like I was like, that? what was that? Did you do the party far? Because <laughs> <laughs> it was just, I the Midwestern, they teach you in journalism mm-hmm. school that the Midwest accent is the accent. So that's mm-hmm. what I would say. Oh, studied yeah. <laughs> and would just practice that and so then when I moved here that was the first time I heard any sort of inkling of an accent was some, when somebody said farty far and I was like excuse me like what are you talking about <laughs> I luckily did not grow up with a lot of people who said farty far that would have okay. driven uh, me insane I, I'm well uh, Matthew asked this question I'm going to go close the blind so that he's not blinded there you go I appreciate well, why that we thank you that? why do we call things that don't blind you blinds. Blinds. <laughs> why do you park on the driveway and drive on the parkway, yeah, Randy? That's, that's the question. Uncle Randy, why are STL sports fans, specifically Cardinal fans, so insufferable? Because they've won so much. That happens. Uh, that's. Uh, are they insufferable, though? Oh, like, yeah. Like yeah. Chicago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In, in comparison to other <laughs> fan bases. No. Uh, well, no. The, uh, fans of teams that win a lot. Uh, that's what's, that was the genesis of punch a Red Wing fan in the face. What's dip. worse though, fans that win a lot or fans that lose a lot? The Which worst fan are, base is, is worse? Okay, it, the mm. worst are the fans, Rangers fans right now, Cubs fans before they won, that have teams that never win yeah, but think they knew they invented the sport. Yeah. Those are terrible uh, individuals. So insufferable, <laughs> uh, the, the Oxford definition. Too extreme to bear, intolerable. We are. But you know what? At least uh, we can lean on the 11 world championships, mm-hmm. right? We get a lot of hate. Yeah, we do. And, yeah. you know, we, we deserve it. And by the way, there's also this false narrative that it's Cardinal fans that dubbed themselves the best fans in baseball when it was indeed Peter Gammons, Tony Gwynn, Peter Ubroth. Mm-hmm. Peter Ubroth came into... St. Louis in 1987, when we were going to draw three million people, stood at second base on a giant podium and said, this is a miracle of modern sport that St. Louis was going to draw three million fans. How, how often did you hear Bud Selig, commissioner of baseball, say these are the best fans in baseball? Uh, how, how often did you hear Albert Pujols as a member of the Angels, who was being paid by the Angels, and they draw well, and they have good fans. How often did Albert Pujols say Cardinals fans are the best fans in baseball? People that know the sport know that uh, Cardinal fans are the best fans in baseball. And that's probably what makes us insufferable. Are Yankees fans insufferable? Yes. Are Red Sox fans insufferable? The worst, Mm -hmm. except for Patriots fans. Right? I think Patriots fans are pretty up there. Yeah, and that accent was just like, oh my God. Matthew, was it you? It was either Matthew or uh, my friend Big Frank. Somebody said that (laughs) it was you uh, in Boston. People are saying now, I've got a kid that's five years old and hasn't experienced a Super Bowl championship yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it's not okay. It was one of, uh, one of Rich Eisen's producers said, hey, there are there are four-year-olds in Boston who don't know what a championship looks like. <laughs> it's like, go to other places they where they never yeah. know. Yeah. Some people have never that's, experienced winning. That, that is too <laughs> extreme to bear or intolerable right I, there. I feel bad. I was 18. I think I saw a picture of that 12-year-old kid at another parade, and he had a sign that had like 12 championships, yeah, all yeah. the parades he'd been to. I'm oh, like, my God. I, I feel bad, but I, I I do want to I do want to fight this twelve year old child. Right I just now. slap him. <laughs> no, dear Uncle Randy. Yeah, I don't think he can. What do you think with that shirt? He probably deserves exactly. <laughs> dear Uncle Randy, what do you do when you fall out of love with a team? I don't want to sound like a spoiled fan. Here we go. But it's hard to connect with the current core. 
I miss the days of players doing absolutely everything they can for the note. Where are the Bacchus, Petro, Perron, Schwartzy type players who laid it all on the line night in and night out? Where are the Oshi, Tarasenko, Fabry type players who you want to get out, who'd want to make you get out of your seat? Where is the passion? If you're a real fan, you don't fall out of love with the team. If you're a real fan, you are all about Bob Plager and you're about the crest on the front rather than the name on the back. You are about St. Louis. You are about Kelly Chase. You are about people that take great pride in the city and in the crest on the jersey and not on the guys on the back of the jersey. But if your favorite players, if you aren't somebody who's dedicated to the crest and, and you're concerned about Ocean Bacchus, go become a Capitals fan by all means because Oshie's still playing. Mm-hmm. And if you're, you're a Vladdy fan, go tonight. Buy a ticket and watch Vladdy tonight. But no, you that. It, Especially in a town like us, any place north and east of St. Louis, your team is part of your DNA. It's just who you are, it's who you grew up with. Now, if you go south and west of St. Louis, where you have a million transplants, if you go to Atlanta, Dallas, Houston, Phoenix, L.A., uh, you're going to have a million transplants. And your, your city is not going to be what people root for. But here in a town like this, people are rooting for the city rather than necessarily can, the, the we're, we're, we're literally rooting for the laundry here in St. Louis. Well, can the players that are on the current team kind of ruin your experience? Like if you're watching a team that you've grown to love and then there's a group of players for a three to five year span mm-hmm. that are just not what the, the um, because we're talking about Pittsburgh, I feel like the Blues and the Pittsburgh Steelers are, are in the same, mm-hmm. Ben said that the tradition is gone. Like, is, is is that can that ruin the fan experience because of a you know a stretch of of certain number of years? I can tell you there will never be a day in my life where I'm not rooting for the Cardinals or the Blues. Never. Okay. And I, I'm I'm not thrilled with what the Blues have done here in firing mm-hmm. Craig Bruby. You guys know I'm not thrilled with the way the Cardinals have built their team for 2024. But am I rooting for them? Do I have a ton of Cardinal gear that I paid a lot of money for? Yeah, maybe because that those are my teams. Maybe it takes longer because I thought I, I think Nick fans are are have have been done with the Knicks at one point. Like I don't mm-hmm. want to watch this product anymore. I don't want to mm-hmm. see this team. They're terrible. They were good at one point, and then they became terrible. So maybe it takes a longer span than, well, than three to five years. Just inconsistent play. And, Kerry, it's weird. And, and, and I think there are all different kinds of sports fans. One of the reasons that I tell people I'll never lose passion for sports is because I love competition. I love to be around and watch competition. And some people are in it for winning, which is fine. That's another sports fan. But I just enjoy even the Rams when they were terrible at the end. I always had hope. I bought my tickets because I had hope, and I enjoyed, such as it was, the competition. And exactly. it, wasn't, it wasn't very competitive at times. No. Well, the competition, <laughs> and then also, too, well, as long as the ownership still cares, because the teams are going to change constantly, right? I mean, look at how much turnover there's been for both of them, even in the last year. It's going to be the ownership making sure they still put a good product out there. That's where I feel like you see fan bases mm-hmm. really dwindle. I mean, look at what everything that happened with the A's, right? Right. I mean, the ownership, ownership wanted the fans to yep. go away. That happened here with the Rams. Yep. Also, just based on that, that person's text of like who the who the stars they uh-huh. they they watched were that tells me that probably in their mid twenties early thirties mm-hmm. and sports fandom's different for a lot of people at fifteen years old and at and at thirty five yeah. like there's it's never gonna feel like the magic it felt when you were twelve watching your team when it like it's different when you get older that's and I think that's something people have a tough time. Well, 
like realizing is that sports fandom is different for a lot of people just as you grow up. And I've told you guys a million times, my favorite memories as a kid are going to football Cardinal games with my dad and my favorite memories in sports are still resonating in my head. That's why I wore my Stanley Cup champions pullover yesterday. Mm -hmm. It was to honor Craig Berube in that memory. And so I'm I'm always going to have those memories, and there's no way I could ever fall out of love with with that memory. All right, uh, give me one more here, Matthew. We'll make it quick. All right, Andy, you, let's say you host a Christmas party, and you didn't invite everyone you know, and then you run into that person, and they say, hey, your party looked like it was a lot of fun. How, how, how do I handle that, Uncle Randy? Well... <laughs> I think this is very easy. Oh, yep. That's yep. so awkward. It was yeah. actually. Yeah. Thanks for asking. I don't yeah. know. That, that, that's the thing. Uh, and you just stare yeah. at him. Passive aggressive, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Both ends. So, yeah. You give it to me, I give it yeah. back. What the yeah. hell are you yeah. talking about? Yeah. Say, Tell uh, me what, how you really yeah. feel. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. that's yeah. not the yeah. advice we're looking for. <laughs> exactly. Right. No, it, 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 this is uh, very easy. If somebody comes up to you and says, hey, the, the, the party looked fun, say, yeah, well, I just wanted to get together with my very closest friends and uh, cel- wanted to get together with them to celebrate the holidays because yeah. this is really an important time of year for me and for them. Yeah. If we were better friends, we would talk more, wouldn't we? Yep. But then Meaning- what if it's someone that you do kind of know or maybe you used to be close with and that then that friendship has differently about the friendship than you do though right clearly <laughs> yeah yeah because they were invited because if you if you made a mistake oh shoot man i forgot to send you the mm-hmm. message i got it i, I apologize mm-hmm. but if it's not somebody that you talk to yeah we had a great time <laughs> yeah. you want to look at yeah. some photos <laughs> hey, look, at this. look at what we did <laughs> check out the shrimp tray thanks very much for your text we do a Appreciate him. Coming up, did Shohei Otani and before him Nolan Arenado kind of change the way baseball stars are going to have their teams built? That's next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We talk a lot about payrolls in Major League Baseball now, and when Nolan Arnauto agreed to come to the Cardinals, he deferred $50 million of his salary for the future. $20 million of that was in 2021, and then $6 million a year from 22 through 26. So you had 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, those five years uh, at uh, $6 million per. That's 30 plus the $20 million that he deferred from 2021. Now, that at times is being paid during the course of the contract, but the point is, for those years, 
Arenado has given the Cardinals more flexibility to spend more money. That was taken to another level most recently by Shohei Otani when he signed on Sunday with the Dodgers, Saturday with the Dodgers. The contract officially announced last night, but he gets $70 million a year for 10 years, but he's deferring $68 million of that and won't be completely paid off. Otani won't until 2043. Why did he do it? For two reasons. Number one, to allow the Dodgers to escape the luxury tax in baseball to allow them to go out and pursue more quality players because he wants to win. I know that Kerry Davis is a give-me-my-money-now kind of guy, and that trumps winning. (laughs) But clearly, here's a couple of guys that have not won, and for them, they're willing to take their money a little bit later so that they can win. I wonder if this will become more prevalent in sports or if we're going to have players that just don't really care as much about winning as they care about their own bank account. I thought I read somewhere that some owners and, and management were upset by that decision, that contract, because it does it, it puts them in a precarious situation to where now players may be asking for that and they don't teams might not have or want to pay you ten years later or, mm-hmm. or have the funds just sitting around and be be willing or able to pay you, you know, ten years from now. I think it's a great I think it's a great deal for Shohei because he he has done a a great job in his career. Obviously, he's making tons of money off of endorsements, so the the other sixty eight million is not that much of a concern for him. Um, but it, it, it it's it's showing that he wants to win and mm-hmm. something that you know you can be the best player in the world and and all of these people say all these wonderful things about you, but they haven't called you a champion yet. And so going to L A to the Dodgers taking this money on the back end, leaving money for other people to to get paid as well, really shows that he's he cares about winning and wants to be a champion. But if you're a teammate, if you're in the locker room and he walks in and you say, man, you're crazy. Uh, well, <laughs> not, yes and no. Uh, because, again, I, I, would, I wouldn't mind having $68 million a year in, in 10 years when I'm done playing. <laughs> uh, right, right. <laughs> Where that check just steadily comes it's in. It's just there. Yeah. What would you do today? I went to the mailbox and got 68 million. How about you? <laughs> yeah. I didn't do that. Well, because also the national narrative, too, was, man, this is a crazy amount of money, which it is, but Shohei Otani is a very special and unique player. That's why they call him the unicorn, so he deserves this money. And so the narrative, when you heard that coming out, there were so many national pundits. I'll go ahead and say it, it was Stephen A. Smith and Mad Dog basically calling out Shohei and the Dodgers for this insane contract and why would you spend all this money and almost painting this picture of him being selfish for taking this amount of money and then you got the information about the how much money he deferred and that narrative starts to dissipate yes that money is still going to be coming in and is a lot of it but Shohei is showing that he wants to win and he wants to make sure that the Dodgers are going to be as competitive as possible to be able to break through this threshold where they have had success in the regular season in recent years but not as much success in the postseason I wonder Brooke and Carey if Nolan Arenado is satisfied with what the Cardinals have done. Now, as I mentioned, his deferrals, he's getting paid now mm-hmm. with his deferred money. Not He's not getting uh, a bunch of money after his contract retires. He's getting a bunch, but he's not getting all of it after his contract retires uh, expires. But I, I wonder if Arenado is happy with the way the Cardinals have spent their money with, his, with the knowledge that he deferred what he did. 
That's a great question. I, I would love to know how Nolan Arenado feels about all of this. But just based off of last season, and I don't think Nolan Arenado would be the only one frustrated with this, to be fair. But you could just kind of tell that maybe the team in general was frustrated that there weren't some more pieces added. Because you went out, you got Wilson Contreras, which handled that situation, but then nothing else was added. So I don't know if they had conversations with Nolan where they said, yeah, we're going to make sure that we're getting all these extra pieces and that didn't come into fruition. I would hope hope that that is not mm-hmm. the case. And I'm sure he feels a little bit better about some of the moves that have been made because it seems like the Cardinals are at least addressing multiple things right. here. Right. And here is the breakdown of Arenado's deferments. He deferred, as we mentioned, $20 million in 2021, paid with 2% interest in 10 equal installments each July 1st from 22 through 2031, and then deferring $6 million a year, 22 through 26, paid with no interest in 10 installments of $3 million each on July 1st, 2032 through 2031. So he gets the uh, payments on July 1st of 22 through 31, equal installments of 20, uh, so it'll be roughly $2 million a year, and then $3 million a year of 20. Uh, 32 through 2041. So those are his breakdowns. So the Cardinals do have most of that money going to be deferred from 2032 through 2041. So that's not bad for them. And they should, with those deferments, theoretically be able to pay guys more. Yeah. And I hope. Holiday still makes like a little yeah. over a million until yeah. when? 2029, I believe? Right, yeah. Until 2029. But here's a, another big part of this is it those players will do this if they want to go somewhere where they know that they can win a championship during that time span, especially during the front end of these big contracts, right? That's what's going to really drive it. I thought it was interesting. Did you guys see the reports that Shohei Otani got the exact same offer from the Giants, mm-hmm. but... He obviously went with the Dodgers, which isn't surprising, but still, it has to be the players seeing, okay, this is going to be the most viable option of getting me a championship very early on in the front end of this big contract. And I'm a little bit surprised because we got uh, a link yesterday to Ken Rosenthal's comments about San Francisco. And last year, Farhan Zaidi had said, we're having trouble getting players to sign in San Francisco. They went after Aaron Judge, couldn't get him. Correa, they offered 350 He had the the back issue. He'd had that for a little longer than... Uh, we yeah. Okay. Uh, but no, actually, no, his was a leg. Was a his, 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 his was a leg. I just wanted to get it in there. But uh, now yesterday, because Otani wouldn't take the same contract, actually a little bit more that the Giants offered, amazingly, San Francisco is regarded as having a city problem that players yeah. don't want to go to. Listen, San Francisco is obviously the same state as Los Angeles, so the taxes are the same. Mm-hmm. You got... The, the housing market is as as bad, if maybe worse. And and then you talk about the downtown area, all of the, the people that have moved out and are not there. San Francisco is, is L.A. without it being L.A., if that makes sense. You don't get the <laughs> L.A. experience. Mm-hmm. L.A., at least I'm going to pay all of these bills and pay this high, high mortgage, but I get to be in L.A. What do I get in San Francisco? It's not – you're going to be paying the same thing. You're going to be paid mm-hmm. the same amount, but – L.A. versus San Francisco, if I'm choosing, you're probably going to choose L.A. Well, in the heartbeat of 
San Francisco was downtown pre-pandemic, yeah. and nobody yeah. goes downtown anymore. It's kind of people well, kind are of like moving, downtown St. Louis, moving, moving out, yeah. like because and again, the prices. I, I don't know the mark, but I they are on par and maybe more than what you're paying in L.A. It, it is ridiculous oh, yeah. in San Francisco the amount of money that is being spent there for for homes and and mortgages and rent. So mm-hmm. yeah, nobody wants to be there. So hopefully, uh, my root, my my sincere hope is that the two teams that have the largest deferrals to play and I hope it's us and the Dodgers, meet up in the NLCS this year. And then I hope their guy doesn't perform well, and our guy does. And we go to the World Series, we being the Cardinals. There you it's, go. It's December 14th. We can call the Cardinals we today. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Can we call the Blues we? Are we we? Uh, we we? Yeah. <laughs> our home of our Blues 101 ESPN. There you go. Yeah, we're yes. rights holder. Absolutely we can. Uh, coming up, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service. Text line for Tioli, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. Take it or leave it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. With Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, and Matthew Rocchio, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Time for Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314 399 9646. 314 399. Yo ho! Okay, Mizzou's getting ready to obviously to take on uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes in their bowl game, the, the Cotton Bowl, on December 29th. You can see that on. Uh, national TV at 7 o'clock St. Louis time. But Mizzou's new schedule was revealed last night on ESPN. Uh, and uh, everybody saw it because everybody takes a look at the Come SEC on, schedules because Come it just on, means more. I turned, uh, I turned that program off, Randy. Uh, okay. Everybody didn't watch it. Uh, take it or leave it. The only <laughs> loss for 2024 for the Missouri Tigers is at Tuscaloosa against Alabama. Ooh. Eleven and one. The only loss. Eleven and one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Randy, that's yeah. a tough task to, to wait. Let me pull up the schedule that again. They've had this year. Okay. okay. I don't know. Yeah. You gotta watch out Computer for UMass. Yeah, right. UMass. That's gonna be a tough one. Right. And they're UMass. going to UMass. On, yeah, they'll. Is that on. a little weird? Why, does, that... why does the SEC get a get two by? I don't want to talk about the ridiculous. Northeast. Um, why does the SEC get two bye weeks? You mean a bye in Vanderbilt? Yeah, it, well, <laughs> that too. Well, I guess it's three bye weeks it's if you three. play them. Yeah. You get your regular bye, then you get Vandy, and then you get your uh, your your non-conference game in week 12 of the season versus an FCS team. It just Everybody plays the same amount of games. It doesn't matter. Okay. I mean, this is a great does schedule Does the Big Ten not do that? Do they no. start a week later? We don't play... We don't play uh, uh, an FCS opponent. Everybody plays twelve games. Of the season. Yeah, but we play all Big Ten opponents after. Well, the first three games you're hey, non-conference. Matter. Yeah, that doesn't matter. When you, it doesn't matter when you play them. You're playing matters. them. Illinois is not playing a blood donor. Illinois is is at times <laughs> the blood donor. Really. Blood donor. <laughs> okay, oh so my gosh. Uh, here we go. Murray State W. Right. Um, yes. Yep. 
we always beat uh, well they're Kentucky sorry about that uh, but the Tennessee Kentucky teams same it's same yes. state basically uh, no what <laughs> Basically, they, they were the, so, they were the champions of the... You Kentucky are the same state? <laughs> yeah, basically. What? Chile, right? Yeah. No. What? what are you guys talking about? It's literally two different states. Uh, Missouri, uh, Murray State's a win. Buffalo's a win. Boston College is a win. That's at home. Vandy is a win. At A&M is a win. Uh, UMass is a win. Auburn at home, homecoming. Oh, that's always a good is game. A win. Yeah, yeah, that's a win. Uh, Alabama, I'll give Alabama their due. Uh, Miles McVeigh, St. Louis playing for them. Oklahoma at home, that's a W for the Tigers. So? Oh yeah, that's gonna be. A, I think that's gonna be a really good game. It'll be a good game, but Missouri will win it. Uh, and then at South Carolina, that's a win. At Mississippi State, that's a win. And Arkansas at home, that's this a win. This is a really this good schedule. A Pretty easy schedule. It is for, eleven and one for Missouri. So I'm gonna take it. Yep. I'm, I'm uh, all in. Uh, I'm I'm all in. I'll leave it. Uh, they might win two. They might lose two. Mm. I think Oklahoma's gonna be a tough one. And at Texas A&M, I don't know what they're gonna do or what they're gonna look like. But going there with all those Missouri doesn't lose to Texas fans A&M. that they have. Yeah, it doesn't matter. The the twelfth man and I think the, Missouri's handled A&M like okay. The cheer. What are they? Cheer coaches. What are they called? Oh, the, cheer. Uh, Cheerleaders. They're not cheerleaders. <laughs> I know. I just wanted to cheer something. Yell captains or yell something. Yell captains. Yell leaders. Those guys are intense. Stupid intense. overalls. They're no, intense. no. No one in overalls yelling at me at a football game is really that intense. They, they are intense. Yeah, yeah. I've been down there. Um, so Giannis scored 64 points last night and was very frustrated at the end of the game because the uh, Pacers assistant coach took the game ball. Oscar Tshiebwe scored his first bucket as a as a professional basketball player, so they wanted to give the ball to him. Take it or leave it. Giannis should have actually signed the ball and let that young man have the ball. Totally take it. Yeah. yeah signed 64 points. Yeah. You have the ball, man. I've scored a ton of points, won championships. Going to be a Hall of Famer mm. one day. It's your first bucket. There you go. You can't take the chance of him to hand that ball to his kid and say it. And on that night, me and Giannis Adetokounmpo scored 66 points. Well, yeah, well, there's the thing called the intranets. So... You can, you can the Google, internet. You can Google on the on the internet machine. <laughs> Daddy, you're a liar. <laughs> I said we scored 66 points, son. Oh, Didn't man. say he scored 64 and I scored two. <laughs> Take it or leave it, guys. I just have a feeling. And look, I want a really good response from Jordan Cairo because we've talked about him so much here after this firing. Take it or leave it. Jordan Cairo is going to score maybe two goals tonight. Leave it. Leave it. No? No. Okay, how about a goal the next few games next three games uh, I'll, wow. I'll, I'll take that how about that I, you one you know what i think a goal with, a game for the next three games if if these players come out and have the same look the same energy the same vibe yeah you you can go ahead and uh start start preparing your trips for uh for may yeah you get, your, get, yeah, your get your get your itinerary ready. Ready. Yeah, yeah 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 uh, Cancun. Okay. One, two, three. Oh, yeah, guys. Okay. Uh, one more quick one from me. <laughs> the Blues have a pregame skate at ten thirty today mm-hmm. at Enterprise Center before they take on the Senators tonight. Take it or leave it. That's when Jordan Cairo finds out there's been a coaching change. <laughs> take Randy, it. no. <laughs> What's going on, guys? <laughs> Who's that? Who's that? <laughs> what the hell is this? What's going on here? Randy. Where's Chief? 
Listen, I think you're no, honestly, this would if if he were uh, that now, I tell you, I told y'all, superstars do they have they don't know mm-hmm. what in the world is going on. Yep. So if he has that, then he he's a, he's a superstar. He's he's one of those guys, and he will score. He'll score four goals. I think you guys are giving him a little too much credit. I think post practice, he just goes, "Why I didn't get yelled at very much today?" What's Anybody see Chief? During the mid '80s, during the big Cardinals Mets rivalry, they had a pitcher named Sid Fernandez, and. Well, I don't know if this is any reason to not know, but he lived in Hawaii during the offseason, from Hawaii. But he shows up in spring training, and the Mets have made a major trade. They got the biggest acquisition of the offseason. They get Kevin McReynolds. And <laughs> Sid Fernandez goes to Keith Hernandez and says, who's that guy? And uh, Hernandez <laughs> says, that's, that's Mac. That's Kevin McReynolds. And he said, he didn't play for us. He played for the Padres. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I just want to see what Jory Cairo. I Look, after you have this many people talking about you, you should have a great response where you, you go and score multiple goals in a game tonight. To where you go school, a goal game. Because that should be the response to at least some ways make you feel better about this. Take it or leave it. The Blues will not be a legitimate contender until the next crop of young players develops. I'm talking five years. Ooh, I'm going to leave That's that. a long time. Yeah. They said twenty twenty five. Yeah, you get those youngsters. Yeah. You just gotta, you gotta play harder, man. Like that. Yep. That's your job. I don't understand why anybody would have to quit. Randy, they've been listening to you. They, they, uh, you, you might don't be give a hundred percent because they don't expect it. Yep. <laughs> you might be at fault. Yep. You I might be. I might be. We that's found the true. root of the issue here. <laughs> right. Take it or leave it. The Blues are about to fall back to the. To the era between 2003 and 2008. Oh, don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> this I'm is the most negative that. take it or not leave it I have ever seen. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't here during that time. I was oh, I was man. out of state. Well, what was it like? I wasn't. I was actually in. I was in Pittsburgh watching really good hockey. Carrie, like, oh, that was a great okay. era for <laughs> Pittsburgh. Do you want yeah. the essence of it? Here's, 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 here's the essence of that era of Blues hockey: to get people to come to the games, they gave away free food. Oh, free food. Free food. Yeah. Throw with us. Oh. Yep. Come grow with at us. At the concession? Yeah. Like, they, yeah, gave, the they, they gave, gave free food? They had free food days. Yep. Oh, my you, Like, even God. on Saturday oh, nights. bad. That was bad. Yeah. Even they, on please. Saturday nights? Show even, up? Yep. It was, that's what it was. Yeah, it was It was bad. We had a goalie Ooh. named, oh, man, 0506. Patrick Laleem. Poor guy. Uh, he was just under siege. But here's the thing. They had traded Pronger. They didn't. Everybody hated Eric Brewer, the captain, because they had traded Pronger for him. And they just were not. Good. They just did, and they, they went out and signed a free agent, Paul Correa, and he was never healthy. Yeah, it was it was horrible. It was really bad. It was bad hockey, wow. and uh, yeah, nobody showed up. That's free. That's and good. free food. You, you got me there. I'd have been there. Yeah. Well, I was. Believe me, I, I, I was. Yeah, <laughs> free food. Up. We remember that. <laughs> hey, thanks very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, uh, there's one reporter who thinks that the Baruby firing by the Blues came later than they wish it would have. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. You hire Craig Berube as the interim guy. Your team goes on to win the Stanley Cup. You feel like you have to keep him. And I was never entirely sold that as long as this run has been, that Craig Berube was really Doug Armstrong's guy that he wanted in that position for the long term. 
That is Frank Saravalli from The Daily Faceoff. It's coming up on 808 in St. Louis, 2 1. Woof, 808, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. <laughs> She's that's, never heard that no, that's how we. Uh, that's how you give the official time at the top of the hour or top of the minute. Woof. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little jackpot thing. So anyway, it's 808, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. You Do you buy what me, Frank really? Valley just said there, that he's of the belief that the reason that Bruby was here is because he was winning, but he really wasn't Army's guy. I kind of buy into that. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, I think maybe he wasn't when you brought when you when you let uh, Mike Yo go and you brought him in, and, and maybe you said, "We'll see how this goes." Oh, oh, we won a championship. That that changes the mindset. You may not have thought that prior to winning, but once you win, okay, this guy's a, a Stanley Cup champion. We we have to keep him around. He's done a great job, and then he had some good years after that. So, I think when you're looking at maybe what you wanted versus what you got. I don't think I don't think Doug Armstrong would trade that for anything. The fact that that Craig Berube did a really good job here, won the, the first championship ever in the history of the of the organization. You have to be um, you have to be respectful and, and thankful for what he did. I just think this timing of of this uh, firing was based on what he's seen over the last few months and and a team that when you're playing, you you heard him talk about it. When other teams are on a back to back and the Blues are after a day off and you go in there and you lose that game. That's why I said it doesn't matter that everyone plays the same schedule. You are the excuses of, oh, it's the back-to-back, oh, we're tired, we had to travel. That's every team is going through that. So this team just has not been receiving the message from from Craig Berube. So you hope that the message of him being fired lights a fire under some butts and in, in seats and they are they are playing really well tonight and, and from here on. That's what you at least hope, but I think it's interesting because is the NHL just kind of like college football where the turnover is just expected at this point and it happens really quickly because who is all sports? Well, yeah, it is all sports because we're in a microwave society, but it's specifically in the NHL. I'm sure for all the head coaches, they know, okay, once I kind of hit this year mark, I know that I will not be probably here much longer, right? Because that's what it's turned into. Who is the longest tenured coach in the NHL right now? It's got to be John Cooper, right? Yeah. In Tampa? Yeah. But, like, the turnover is so expected now. It is crazy. Now, one of the aspects of yesterday was to talk about the the competitiveness of this particular team. Because we've talked about how the Blues said we want to be middle third, and they are middle third, yet they fired the coach. This is uh, Doug Armstrong on whether he still believes this Blues team can be competitive. Well, I I think that we have a higher level. I I think we, we... we're a better team than than our our play indicates. I don't know if we're a better team than our record indicates. I really don't. But I know we're a better team than our play indicates. And I think those ebbs and flows are, are what I'm looking to to minimize. And then, you know what? If we're not good enough, we're not good enough. But I, I arrogance, ignorance, I can't believe that anyone could put up those last three rosters that we played on our rosters and think we should lose all three of those games. So he believes that they can play better, but still not win the game. That's what I take out of that. And Barubi, I guess if he would have lost 3-2 to Columbus rather than 5-2, or mm-hmm. 2-1 to Chicago rather than 3-1, if it would have been a more competitive Blues team, then Barubi would have had more of an opportunity to stick. 
so that's basically him saying that this roster is not elite, which is what Tom Stillman said, but should look more competitive against middling and lower level mm-hmm. teams. That's what he's yeah. essentially saying there, right? But it goes back to my question that I'm saying earlier, and it's the big question of the day is, well, who is the coach that is going to get more out of this group? In my opinion, Craig Bruby was the epitome of if you could have like a textbook, this is what a head coach should be. He's very disciplined. He really preached hard work ethic out of his players and really pushed them hard on that. Isn't that essentially what you look for in a head coach? And it, it just has to be that his message and Armstrong's opinion were not getting through to the players anymore. I, I think there's no one coming to save him. I think that this they are who they are. Uh, Armstrong said also, you know, there are guys that could have a goal and assist and think they played a great game mm-hmm. in a five to three loss. And that's not the measuring stick of a great game. Yeah, you had a goal, you had an assist, you had you you did your part to a degree, but it's not the total of what we need. And so I don't think that there's anyone the only person that can save them is them. It's in the room. It's in the room. It's yeah. the players. It is not about a voice or a person coming in and drawing every team runs the same plays and also they do the same thing. It's just different versions of it. It's called something different. How you how you work at it is different, but it's all of the same things. And so having another person in that room doesn't matter if the people in that room don't change their mindset. Mm-hmm. And that's the ultimate thing. They have to change how they go about their day. Exactly. That is today's Fresh Take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, more blues with the Hall of Famer Bernie Federko, who joins us every Friday Eve, and he will next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Blue is Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at boardwalkhardwood.com. Carrie and Randy, and we always enjoy our Thursday visits with our friend Bernie Federko, the Hockey Hall of Famer and analyst on Bally Sports Midwest. Blues and Ottawa Senators tonight, 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN and on Bally Sports. Good morning, Bernie. How are you doing? Good morning, Randy. I'm doing fine. It's uh, great to have you with us. By the way, uh, you weren't with us last week. Did you get a little trip in? I was out uh, in uh, Arizona, played a little golf, and uh, got some sunshine. Uh, so it was it was kind of nice. <laughs> Love it! Congratulations. Thank you. Well, of course, we have to talk to you about everything that has happened with Craig Berube and his firing. What was your initial reaction when you found out? Well, Brooke, it was I think like everybody else. I was quite surprised. Uh, I did not see that coming. I mean, uh, the Blues obviously, you know, have been struggling. Uh, as of late, but they've been inconsistent the, the whole season. So um, I think like everybody else, I think uh, we were quite surprised that something happened, I guess, this early Blues game below 500. But, you know, it is the nature of the business. When uh, things uh, are not going the right way, a lot of times uh, general managers do make the decision on uh, moving the coach or replacing the coach. And, and Doug Armstrong, as he talked about yesterday, he just felt that that was the direction that he needed to go. Uh, Bernie, you uh, have been on a few teams that that the coach was uh, changed midseason. What was that like in that in that dressing room, and how did that change for the rest of the season for you all? 
Well, it's always kind of comes as a shock for the most part, uh, you know, Carrie. I mean, um, you know, you don't expect, um, you know, you're, you work for the for the person that is the coach at the time. And, um, you, see, you know, when something like that happens, I mean, I, I think everybody kind of looks in the mirror and says, hey, um, obviously – uh, things have to get better around here. You know, when you see someone lose their job, you know that uh, you're p- partly responsible for it. And I think that everybody on this team right now is probably feeling that way. Is that um, you know, I'm sure that no one wanted to see Chief, uh, you know get dismissed. And, and it's, so it's one of those things is that we've got to be better. Otherwise, more changes are going to come. And you know, everybody likes the position that they're in right now. I mean, you want to be comfortable. You want to win. You want to have a uh, you know, great disposition. You, know, you want to have a smile on your face every way, every every day. That when you come to the rink, and uh, you know, and when you're winning, it's easy that way. But when you're losing and things like this happen, I, I think that you know, you just all have to reevaluate yourselves. You have to look in the mirror. And you have to start, you know, making things better. Uh, otherwise, more changes are going to keep coming. And that, that's kind of just the way I'm sure the guys are looking at. It. That's the way we always looked at it. It happened a couple of times in my career, and uh, you know, you have to now all of a sudden you're under the microscope. You're you know, having somebody else re- re- evaluate you, and, and I think that everybody, I mean, I, we're seeing it happen right now. I mean, Edmonton has won eight in a row now since the coaching change. Minnesota has played much better, so uh, that's kind of what happens, and, and I think in, in the way the league is right now, with all the leagues now, is that, um, you know, it's hard to move players, it's hard to trade players, it's hard, but there's caps in place, there's no trade clauses, and, and unfortunately for the coaches, I think they're the ones that are the easiest ones uh, to, to to make changes with because they're they're under contract and you you know you you fire them you, you don't have to do it. there's no consequences it's, it's kind of a crazy thing. Bernie Federico started his Hall of Fame hockey career coming up with the Blues in seventy six seventy seven and you have been associated with the Blues pretty much ever since. Pop quiz, Bernie. I, I wanted to, want you to take a shot at this. Drew Bannister <laughs> is coach number what since you came up with the Blues the first time? Take a guess. Well, you know what I just read that twenty seventh. Am I right? That's a lot of coaches. <laughs> That's a lot of coaches. <laughs> that is what you know. It, it is a lot of coaches in fifty. What, what is it? Fifty-five years or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah it is a lot of coaches. But you know what? Um, you know it, it, it's it, it's a, it's a tough business being a coach. And I think we've always talked about that. Uh, when you get hired as a coach, you know you're going to get fired eventually. There, there's no one, no one lasts forever, and um, it, it's it's a strange thing. And it's I mean when you looked at. And we would, you know, with especially what Craig was the, the the fifth most tenured coach in the league uh, when he was let go yesterday. I mean, that, and he's only been here what five years, so it, it's it's a very volatile business, I guess. And and you know, it's very unfortunate, uh, you know, for the coaches. But uh, you know, I think Craig, a great coach, great guy. He's he's gonna he's gonna be fine. I mean, he's gonna get uh, hired by somebody else because he's just. I mean, hey, we'll always look at at, at, at Chief as the as the is the guy that brought the Stanley Cup to St. Louis, and I don't mm-hmm. think that anybody can ever change that. Well, Bernie, now the search begins for the Blues' new head coach as Bannister steps in. What kind of coach, we were talking about this earlier, what kind of coach will get the most out of all these players right now? You know, Brooke, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think that's kind of a, an experiment right now. I mean, uh, obviously, Drew's coming in uh, as the coach that wants to be, you know, not just the interim, interim coach, he wants to be to prove that he can be the coach. I mean, it's an opportunity for him to coach in the National Hockey League. So I don't know what his coaching style is. I mean, he's been successful in the minors, and I mean, it's not much difference. I mean, you're still it's how, it's how you deal with players. How you, um, you know, is he going to change his system or what is the system? And how the guy's going to react? I, I, you know, what that's that's so hard to know. Well, you know exactly what kind of coach is going to get the most out of it. But I think it's like 
one thing is that the guys will all look in the mirror right now, and as I just said, is they have to reevaluate each one of them, and, and they, you know, obviously they've got to you know get come together as a team and say, hey, um, we need to be better, and, and I think that everybody understands that. I think this is always a shock to the system when uh, when a coaching change is made. I mean, now they go, okay, this is for real now. Something did happen now. Uh, so I don't know what exactly um, has to happen, but uh, I think that uh, you know Army talked a lot about you know the, the guys have got to obviously uh, you know come together. They've they've, they've got to you know make sure that they're they're playing for each other and, and uh, um, you know accountability. He kept using. So I mean, whatever that means is that um, you know the guys have got to play better for each other. They've, they've got to be certainly better defensive. They're giving them way too many goals. I mean, they've got to get the power play going. There's a lot of things, little things that. That, that need to be better so that they can be better on the big picture. Bernie, in the in the past week, we've heard Braden Shin, the captain, talk about effort and energy and, and pulling guys to the fight. You've seen Craig Ruby fired. You heard Armstrong talking about nobody should feel safe in our in our group. And Jordan Bennington coming out saying the pride that you have in wearing the blue note. You know, you should have pride in that in practice and in games. If you're a teammate in that in that dressing room, in that locker room, and you're looking at some of the guys on the team that they're talking about, what are those conversations you're having with that player or players that that they're speaking of? Well, I don't. I, I don't think he's pointing fingers at anybody. I think he's pointing fingers at everybody. You know, I, I think that as I said, you really you have to evaluate yourself, reevaluate yourself. You have to look in the mirror and say, "What can I do more?" And I think that each individual player on the team has to do that and say, "Hey, I can do more." Obviously, they they all feel that they can do more. Otherwise. If they were doing more, maybe they'd be winning more games and and, 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 and they wouldn't be in a position where, where Craig was fired. So uh, I think it's just a matter of, of doing more and, and, and you know making sure you're not blaming the other guy that, that's sitting next to you or across from you is everybody's got a you know everybody has a, a job to do on uh, on the ice and you know whether you're a checker or you're a scorer or you're a power play special or a specialist or a, or a penalty killer, uh, you know, what, or a fighter or whatever you are. I mean, I think everybody you put together a team, everybody, you know, is in a role. And I think that if everybody does the job that they're supposed to do in their role, obviously that's when the team becomes a better team. And, and I mean, it's, you know, the team is still a bunch of a group of individuals that just comes together as a team. And I think that each individual has to be better at what their job is. And, and if they can do that, I think that they'll come together and, and they'll play certainly much better. And, you know, what? how good are they? We're not sure yet. I mean, we've seen glimpses of a really good hockey team, and then we've seen glimpses of, of a really bad hockey team. So what, I think that they still need to find the identity of what they are, and certainly, you know, hopefully it's going to be something that is going to be good and challenge for a playoff spot, uh, because that's uh, Army said that all along. Maybe that's not going to be the best team in the league this year, but if they can get into the playoffs, then you never know what could happen. You get some key injuries for you, against you, and um, many things could happen. And, uh, you know, we all look back to 2019, um, the Blues went with three games below 500 in January, and they ended up winning the Stanley Cup. So, I mean, it's it's a it's a crazy game, and anything can happen. But you you've got to get everybody on the same page. And Bernie, uh, I was going to reference 2019 as well because thank goodness the Blues won Game Seven. When you look at where the Blues are right now, and you look at what happened to, for example, Dallas after they lost to Tampa Bay, they've stayed good, but they haven't been back to the finals. Nashville loses to Pittsburgh in 2017. They haven't been back. San Jose loses to Pittsburgh. The Rangers lost to the Kings. It's such a fragile thing. It's such a hard championship to win. Thank goodness the Blues won Game Seven in Boston. 
I would agree 100%. I mean, that, that's how hard. I mean, Toronto hasn't won since 1967, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and they've had a pretty good run themselves. But, yeah, it's, it's very, very difficult, you know, to win those 16 games uh, in the playoffs. And I mean, I think I always look back at even we're going back to that, as I read, he said, I mean, COVID really screwed the Blues out of, you know, getting an opportunity to repeat because they were a great team. And all of a sudden we had COVID and they went into that bubble at Edmonton and, I mean, that was a total different story. I mean, they could have defended the title that year, and unfortunately, you know, it's it's timing. It's just the way things happen. So, um, you know, there is teams that, that, that obviously uh, are, are looking to, you know, be the Stanley Cup champs. There's favorites, but you know what? You have to get everything fall into place. You have to get a good goaltender. you got to stay away from some, you know, key injuries and this and that. And, and if it all comes together, you know, you're winning the, you're winning the Stanley Cup. But it, it certainly is a difficult thing to do. Bernie, thanks so much for the time. We'll be tuned in tonight. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, you guys. You guys have a great day. Too. See you later. That is the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico, joining us as he does every Thursday here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, uh, Matthew needs a fighter, I would think, for the fight. All you need to do is text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. You need to text in and uh, just use your name and the word fight. Maybe Matthew will pick you to fight me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. And it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Eric. Eric, how you doing? I am doing wonderful, CD. How are you? I'm doing great. You, 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 you're you ready to take on Randy Carragher. These two are cracking up over here. What the heck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he just said the most humble thing I've ever heard. I can't, I can't, I can't say anything without getting criticized. Unbelievable. <laughs> criticize, criticize, criticize. All right, Eric, you ready to take on Randy? These two are. We'll be, we'll be professionals here. <laughs> Let's rock and roll. All right, here we go. Yeah. Cowboys edge rusher, rusher Micah Parsons joined this Hall of Famer as the only players to ever post 12 and a half plus sacks in their first three seasons. Is it Bruce Smith, Reggie White, or Lawrence Taylor? Reggie White. On this day in 2021, Steph Curry became the all-time three-point king with almost 3,000 made. Who did he pass to take the top spot? Was it Ray Allen? Jason Terry or Reggie Miller? Reggie Miller. Which current NFL star holds the record for largest margin in their Heisman Trophy victory with over 800 first place votes? Is it Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, or Lamar Jackson? Uh, I'm going to go Lamar Jackson. How many seasons is the longest playoff drought in Blues history? Is it three, four, or five? I believe it is three. All right, we're going to jump our score, and we'll bring in Randy Carricker. Eric, how you feeling? I'm great. The sun's up. Having a good time. Sounds like you're on the road. You're driving, seatbelt on, hands at 10 and 2. 
Absolutely. All right. I am commuting back to St. Louis for work. All righty. Bluetooth. I hope we're using the Bluetooth and we have our eyes on the road as we drive. Randy Absolutely. is uh, there. You go. That's that's what we're talking about here. Randy, say hello to Eric. Hey, Eric, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing great, Randy. How about yourself? I'm doing wonderfully. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. You bet. All right, Randy. Yes, sir. Cowboys edge rusher Michael Parsons joined this Hall of Famer as the only players to ever post 12 and a half, 12 and a half plus sacks in their first three seasons. Is this according to Pro Football Reference? Uh, this might be. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, it's when sacks actually became a stat. It is since, uh, it is since, since Alan, was it Alan Page? Okay. Alan, Alan, yeah. Okay, so the, it's not Deacon, not Deacon Jones. Not Deacon Jones. That was, that, 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 okay. That was your question. You just made yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. not Deacon Jones. Um, okay, did you guys, uh, with no sports on last night, did you watch the Reggie White 30 for 30? a little bit of it. Man, it, it's really good. I got I to gotta, I gotta sit down and watch it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I, on I, last night. <laughs> it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I am going to go because I watched <laughs> last night uh, with Reggie White. Okay. He had no clue. <laughs> He's so upset. On this day in 2021, Steph Curry became the all-time three-point king with almost 3,000 made. Who did he pass to take the top spot? I'm going to say Ray Allen. Which current NFL star holds the record for the largest margin in their Heisman Trophy victory with over 800 first-place votes? I'll do the lifeline. Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. I'm going to go Joe Burrow. How many seasons is the longest playoff drought in Blues history? I believe, Brooke, that... They uh, in that mid to that free food time. Oh yeah, free food. <laughs> Great, what a time to be alive! I, th- I think they missed. The, uh, <laughs> I think they missed the playoffs three consecutive years. Uh, they they had had. Uh, it's still the second longest run in the history of hockey. They had a twenty five year run where they made the playoffs, uh, but I think that that was it. Uh, the the three year run uh, when they were given away free food. So I'm going to go with three. The number of the day is three. Well, can the number of the day for Randy Carricker be four? Because this would be his fourth win this week on a Thursday. Or is Eric going to mess with that perfect record and take home a victory today? Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Oh, uh, you know what I did? I messed up. I, I wasn't that prepared. Rain? I didn't, I didn't oh, we were that, at the beach. I, 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 I was going to win. That was all aboard the panic bus. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you should have looked over at me because I was not sweating. Uh, Eric, I'm sorry. Randy character takes you down and he hit the jack on this one. He beat you four to two. Not bad. Good job, Randy. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it and appreciate you checking in and participating with us today. Absolutely. You guys take care. Have a great holiday. You thank too. You. Thanks. Thank you. you. We don't get a lot of people who congratulate Randy for their wins, but congratulations on that one. Well, and thank you. From Eric you did, and, you and really didn't nice. know that, that the Reggie White... Uh... I did not know it debuted last night. Okay. Uh, I, that, that question was actually sitting on yesterday's fight, and then I replaced it with 
the more pertinent uh, blues trivia questions that we mm-hmm. did yesterday with the mm-hmm. with the coaches and the firings and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So exactly. that was actually sitting there since Wednesday because it happened on uh, it happened over the weekend exactly. with, with the Cowboys when uh, Parsons got his twelve and a half sack. By the way, the correct answer on that one is of course Reggie White, who opened his who got twenty sacks in his third season and opened it with fifteen and thirteen prior to that. Bruce Smith just missed out on this one. Lawrence Taylor oh. took a little bit longer to get going. Oh, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Reggie White just killed the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, he he, he, he really messed up Neil Lomax. Randy, I saw Reggie White take Chris Carter with one arm God, and literally move. throw him. I, it's in the dock. Who, whoever decided that. that that Chris Carter should block Reggie White, you should have. He, th- he literally, with one hand, <laughs> one he, and, and threw him at Warren Moon threw him and sacked him. Yes. Uh, Chris Carter says, I should have a half sack <laughs> in my career. I saw that one pop up yesterday. Now I understand why the quote's probably out. For me, it's still the move on the right tackle for the Patriots. Oh, just the club move under his shoulder, and he yeah. just sends a 300-man flying in the, in the biggest game of the year. Unreal. Uh, this day in 2001, Steph Curry became the all-time three-point king with 3,000 made. Who did he pass to take the top spot? It was, in fact, Ray Allen. The current NFL star who holds the largest uh, margin of victory in Heisman Trophy history was Joe Burrow when he got 841 first-place votes. He killed it. And how many seasons is the longest playoff drought in Blues history? The lockout happened in 0405, and then the Blues missed the playoffs in 0506, 0607, 0708, and it was a, quite a tortured fan base not having to go three full seasons without the playoffs there. So a 4-2 victory for Randy in the fight today. So uh, that, that is cool how uh, Joe Burrow killed it. Another Heisman Trophy winner, O.J. Simpson. No, oh, I knew, I I knew that, that Allegedly, was allegedly. Randy, I felt stop! It was coming. <laughs> if I, he did I, I was wondering where <laughs> this was, what turn this was taking, and here, here we are. Oh, all man. Right, um, oh, all right. Uh, uh, he, he's was, on TikTok. Uh, the Juice okay. is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, is, he is trying to... Redo his uh, well, you know, he's he's into the new thing, he's he's cutting edge, <laughs> Randy. No, 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 you know what? I so I was talking to some guys, this is this is a true story, some oh, some man. old 49ers, right, that that played in the 80s and, and early 90s, and they said when OJ, this is before all of that, obviously, but mm-hmm. when he would go into a place in LA, like you could have magic there, you could have all these other superstars superstars mm-hmm. when oj came in the room like it, it just stopped really? everyone was like that's juice yeah like, he was yeah. the the celebrity yeah. of all celebrities in all going. he was in movies yeah. he was don't you yeah. remember that dave chappelle skit about oj simpson running into him at the restaurant <laughs> yeah. you know what i'm talking <laughs> yes. about yeah yeah but that was after the incident that yeah. supposedly happened yeah. <laughs> allegedly. allegedly then we gotta throw that in there, there uh go. speaking of Funny stuff. Michael Yo, comedian, going to be at the Funny Bone in, uh, well, uh, actually tonight. And he is standing out in the hallway. And he's going to join us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's 
the opening drive on 101 ESPN with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Good to have you with us. The other day on our our show text, our producer, Matthew Rocchio, sent a text that said, do we want Michael Yo in studio on Thursday for a segment? And I said, sure. I always enjoyed him when he was the coach of the Blues. Uh, Michael, you're <laughs> yeah. a comedian. Yeah, but you fired me. You fired me. You want to stay in the cup and see what happens? See what happens? You just fired the guy that replaced me. So I, I'm back. I'm back to take my job back. I'm here for an interview. The comedian Michael Yo is going to take over the Blues. That's what's happening. The very funny Michael Yo joining us in studio, and he's at the Funny Bone December, well, tonight. Tonight, one show, Friday, yeah, Friday, two shows, and then Saturday, two shows. Good Good to see you. How's everything going? Man, it's great. This is my last stop. I always like to end in St. Louis. Uh, So, yeah, it's great. I get a month off after that, and then uh, I shoot a special coming up in a couple months. So, yeah, I'm excited about everything, you know? Okay, to go to Emo's, eat that garbage pizza. It's great. great. Garbage pizza. Garbage. Oh, man. Government cheese pizza. Emo's. Government cheese pizza. Government cheese. Oh, it's horrible. It's what horrible. is government How cheese pizza? How do you put pizza? that in your mouth? I don't understand that. What, what is government cheese pizza? That. That? Have yeah. you ever had Emo's? Oh, I have. Well, I'm not from here originally, so I, I experienced it for the first did time, you, too. Did you like it? Yes, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because yes. you're on the radio station. <laughs> oh, I love everything St. Louis. Because it. I can't say it's trash. It is garbage. So I, I've said this before. You have to go. There are certain emos that are oh, absolutely. No, no, no. They are, no, stop. no, 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 no. Stop. They, they have ter- different cheese. They, they have, it just tastes different. Oh, so some of them are That's terrible. what my friend said. It's just going to taste different. One of them, the, the one on Hampton is really good. That's the original one, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That one is really Really good. So if you if you but there are some that I and I'm like oh I don't want this here anymore. Yeah. And I'm from St. Louis and, and yeah. so there are I, I can tell you with 100 percent certainty some emos are better than others. Okay. So I will whatever I'm the in the right Westport one. area whatever one is in Westport area. Yeah. That one I don't know. It's not good. I don't know. I, it's I, not I good. Had that one. But you no, the one on Hampton is is okay. Delightful. I'm just scared that if I go to one they're gonna poison me. <laughs> <laughs> so I may not you be able to pick it up myself. I'll get my friends to pick it up. Emos on a Hampton. I'm giving yes. you a try. Yeah. They, right. uh, they have their own cheese factory. They make their own cheese. Yeah, I can tell. I didn't think that was done well. So I figured they just made this at home. Cheese factory. Michael, you played football at Arkansas. I did. I did. Ooh, I, who pick? No, I, because you know what? I, I played a year and a half, got too many concussions, couldn't play anymore, right? So I played against Peyton Manning. Well, I don't want to say I played. Oh, I was on a... I, I, I ran out on the field and then he <laughs> threw 15 <laughs> touchdowns against us. So, but no, I I, I was kind of like a, just a lower level football player because I, I got too many concussions. And I pulled a hamstring, a lot of things. But no, I don't hate any school. I don't actually don't even like Arkansas anymore because oh, my yeah. dreams died there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like my dream was to be a football player and it died there. So uh-huh. now I like the, I've always liked the University of Miami. I'm a huge Miami Hurricanes fan. We've been horrible for the last 20 years. But Mario Cristobal, you better turn this around. <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. He just has to get the timing right, you know? No, you yeah, just need to get how pay another players out. Right. Victory formation. Hey, how time no. out? Right. Hey, don't go. Hey, take a knee, hey. man. Oh, do what oh, you need oh, to do. What are we doing? Just take a knee. 
What are you trying to prove? I'm sorry, Mark. Why you hurt me? Hey, I love football. To see that, Miami. Miami was eight and five, uh, eight and four. Chris Ball was seven and five this year. That's what I'm saying. Oh man, that's what I'm saying. Well, I lived in Arkansas for a little bit, working there. So, what was that experience like? Can you still call the Hawks? So racist. Let me tell you, because I'm much older than you. Like when I was there. They gave us. <laughs> just want to clarify, I'm not from there. I, no, I just I'm worked there, so I know what racist. you're talking about. Yeah, uh, you asked me what the racist. Oh. It was great inside the campus. <laughs> yeah. but as soon as you left that campus, oh my boy, God. Like, hey, how you doing, boy? You know, it's like, Whoa. <laughs> it was a different world, right? It was. I had a scooter. Like all the football team had scooters because we bought them on our own. Yeah, and, um, yeah. In the '90s, <laughs> in the '90s, sure. We all bought the, the same SEC. scooter. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we all had white <laughs> scooters with yeah, the pig that logo. You all purchased. Purchased it. I know you did. I went into the I store. I, I, I'm sure. I was like, here's <laughs> money and my name. Anyway, so we all had these scooters. And my scooter broke down. I tried to get it fixed. And I took it to this place. And it was literally 10 minutes outside the scooter. They didn't even take my scooter. They did not take my scooter. The coach had to go take my scooter. Wow. Give it. So that's that's how, But the campus life is crazy. It's Yeah, yeah Fayetteville's beautiful, but oh. I know what you're talking about, where if you get out. Because I had to work in Fort Smith. Did you ever no, have I would to never go, go anywhere? There. Yeah, uh, exactly. But you see? I, I was forced to go there but let me sometimes. Tell you, what was great about campus life, they didn't have a lot of black and Asian dudes. Mm. Oh, man. You, you, White you women were. tried me out, man. They were, <laughs> they were like, what is this? They were like, he's a starter black. Let's, we can start with him. <laughs> and it was great. Oh, my God. It was great. They tried. Oh, man. They used in the beauty. They didn't know what I was. I was like an alien out there. They were like, what is this kind of dude? It was great. It was great. Oh, Michael, man. I, I want to know, you You obviously been doing comedy for a long time and, and have paid attention to the history of comedy. Who is on your Mount Rushmore of comedians? Well, I mean, Rich Pryor. Okay. First of all, Rich Pryor. Wasn't a, and I hate to offend people, but wasn't a really a Carlin fan because mm-hmm. the, when I got to know him, he was just angry. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I haven't really researched his back, you know, the back catalog. Uh, Eddie Murphy, I grew up, mm-hmm. you know, watched him, but I mean, now it's Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr, mm-hmm. you know, uh, got a lot of friends like Jim Jeffries, I like watching, but it's it's kind of like what I love about comedy that's different than anything. When you first start comedy, you think, I got to be funny to everyone. Yeah. And then the, the more season you get, you're like, no, I just got to be funny to the people that like me. Because that's where you get. <laughs> that's you who's get, coming right? to watch. That's who's coming to watch. Yeah. Because there's this misconception where I got to be funny. Nobody, like I've heard people say they don't like Bill Burr. I've heard people say they don't like Dave Chappelle. So it's it's so, it, you got to find your own people. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like a radio show. You got to find your own people. You, uh, you would fit right in here at this station, by the way. Our afternoon show puts five on Mount Rushmore, too. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And you're going to be a part of a Netflix comedy special. So I'm special. part of their Netflix. That's really exciting. It's huge for me. It's a Netflix festival. I'm on day three Saturday, which is a big night. So, you know, you it's everything. You make take baby steps, baby steps, you get a pop. Baby steps, baby mm-hmm. steps, get a pop. And I'm getting a pop from that. And I'm excited about it because now you're on Netflix. Anybody that makes the that festival, you're on their radar now. Right. And the mm-hmm. goal is to actually get a Netflix festival soon. Isn't you, Tom I mean, Brady? It was a special. Oh, sorry. Isn't Tom Brady a part of this? He's going to get roasted. 
Oh, oh yeah. are you going to be a part of that? No, I don't roast people. I, I, I don't know, man. I don't like talking bad about people. I like talking bad about things, but not people. Yeah. Like yeah. your pizza, yeah. I'll talk all day. <laughs> but people, I don't know. That that, that I, I'm a karma guy. You know, mm-hmm. even though it's jokes, yeah. some of them get serious and people get mad. Oh, they you do know get upset. I mean? Do yeah. you do you ever feel when you're on a on a uh, show with multiple artists and multiple comedians, do you ever feel pressure to outperform the guys either before or after you? No, because I don't do those shows. Okay. Because I, I'm not, I know my strengths. My mm-hmm. strengths are going on a show and being able to tell stories and have fun. Mm-hmm. My strength is not, I'm going to outdo you, yeah. you're going to outdo, like, nah, I, I, I'm not that kind of comedian. And, I, and most of those talk shows, they, they're they more roasters. Yeah. I'm not a roaster. Sure. So I don't like to just be negative, you yeah. know, even though it sounds like half this interview I've been negative. <laughs> but it's not really or, me. Or honest. Or honest, yeah. Yeah, 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 honest. Yeah. yeah, but I yeah. won't purposely say a mean joke to somebody to try to get, yeah. you know, a reaction from Someone them. from the 636 said they've lived in Little Rock for the last two years. It's not that bad anymore. They so. said Little Rock. Yeah. I lived in Fayetteville. Uh, okay. <laughs> Little Rock is different. <laughs> Little Rock got a lot of black people. I don't know if you know. Little Rock is hood. Okay. So it was a special on that. University of Arkansas crushes your dreams. How long after that did you decide to get into comedy? You know, you know what's interesting? And like, you got a Super Bowl ring, but I don't know if you went through this. It takes a couple years because it's just something you work for all your life. And mine was taken away. And you don't get the cheers anymore. You is you go into a bit of depression of mm-hmm. what am I going to do next? And because you're almost like a warrior, right? Mm-hmm. And when you step into that, you're like, ah, you get it. And then when you're not, you're you're like, oh, you used to. You're a used to person. Mm-hmm. Oh, you used to play. You used to do. I used to love watching you. Yeah. You know. And then it's kind of hard to accept that. You know, your your past. Like you're living, mm-hmm. but you're still past. Yeah. You know. I don't know if you went through that, but I I, t- I tell people, for me, when I retired, it was like. The girlfriend that I had my entire life, she loved me, I loved her, and then she stopped calling. Yeah. And then I could see her dating somebody younger and more handsome and stronger. And it's like, well, what about me? Yeah. She loved me. And she doesn't love me no more. She doesn't answer. And it's like, it's hard <laughs> to watch her go on with someone else while I'm sitting here like, I can still be the guy you need okay. me to be. <laughs> I, like I said, I wasn't on your level, but I would imagine, like, it's just, it's, it's, it's so crazy. Like, if you're... Like a Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Everybody's compared to him, right? And that must be hard to take because you can't defend yourself. You're right. And there's an ego when you play a sport that, oh, man, I, this is all about me. Yeah. It's a, but then when it's not about you, you're like, oh, they still fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they good. They good. They, oh, they don't. Oh, okay. I'm going to just go in this corner and cry. You know? <laughs> Michael Yo at the Funny Bone at Westport tonight, tomorrow, and Saturday. You can follow him on YouTube, by the way, at Michael Yo. That's Y-O, not Y-E-O. That's a different Yeah, guy. yeah. That's the one y'all don't like. Yeah, no. <laughs> Did he ever wind up anywhere? He was yeah. an assistant in Philly for a while, and then uh, they all bounce around in the NHL. They bounce around. Yeah. yeah. I, See, I live in Vegas, so we got the Knights. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you've ever been to the Knights game, Knights. but mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. I don't, I don't even like hockey. It it's amazing. It's it's oh, it's a like a party show, atmosphere. Bro. Really? Yeah, like it's like a night club. I have to go. Check they have showgirls there. They got showgirls. They got show dudes. They got sh- everybody shows everything. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bunch of show. I, I like I said, I've never been to a hockey game. I don't even like hockey. I've been to four or five nights just for the experience. Yeah. It, they, it's not even about the game to me. Yeah. It's just the, all the... The spectacle, right? Oh, my gosh. It's awesome. It's, incre- yeah. it's incredible. It's incredible. Check it out. Good. Uh, enjoy your time here in St. Louis. There's other pizza places, by the way. Yeah. Give me another one. Um, there's a place called Angelo's in North County that is okay. really good. All right. Off of uh, Old House Ferry. 
Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go to Angelo's. It's, it's right. There's a little place over here called Pizza Hut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know that. See, that's good pizza. <laughs> that's good pizza. Oh, I'm going to go to this. I'm going to go to barbecue place. What, which barbecue place should I go to? Uh, right close to Westport, Bandanas is really good. You can't Bandana. go wrong with Bandanas. I'm going to give you my guy Heavy Smoke off of oh, uh, That's the one they good. said I'm going to. Heavy that's Smoke That's where you need to go. Chris, yeah. Yeah. Get Chris. that Bandana yeah. out of here. We're going to Heavy <laughs> Smoke. Chris will get you together. He Chris, is, all right. He does yeah, it. He brings job. in great stuff to us. We, a, we always listen, appreciate it. I tracked him down in the hallway one day to tell him how good the the, the barbecue was. What was your favorite there? It, it was, uh, he had some, some um, I forget what it was, but it was some ribs, I think. Oh, Risk okay. it, ribs. It was yeah. okay. I'm Can't there. Go wrong. Yeah, I had to walk yep. him down and hey. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Where you running off to? Yeah. Come back here. Get back here. I, need, yeah. I need more. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Thank you, guys. I appreciate yeah. it. The very funny Michael Yo at the Funny Bone at Westport tonight, tomorrow, and Saturday. Just go to the website and you can get tickets there. And don't forget to follow Michael, as we mentioned on the YouTube at Michael Yo. That's Y O. Coming up here, we've got the Rush Hour reset on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Nine oh six in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke, Carrie, Randy, Blues tonight against the Ottawa Senators, featuring Vladimir Tarasenko. Pre-game at six, action at seven here on one hundred one ESPN. The Blues playing their first game under under interim head coach Drew Bannister. One of the interesting takeaways that I had from yesterday's Doug Armstrong press conference was when Army was asked if Bannister would be the interim head coach for the rest of the season. No. No, it's, it's uh, uh, as I said, I'm not going to have weekly updates. He, he's, I'm going to get to know Drew, and as I'm getting to know Drew, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what's going on around the league. I'm not going to rush into anything, and Drew, Drew knows that. It's, it's his job to come in here and do what Craig did the last time he was, he was here. You know, all of a sudden, he became the front runner, and he became the runner, and he became the man. But it does sound to me like, with that answer, that... Drew Bannister will either be the head coach, the permanent head coach of the Blues by the end of the season, or they'll have somebody else in place by the end of the season. That sounds like somebody else. Yeah, kind you think? of. Yeah, unless before for the whatever. end of the season. Uh, I'm sure that I. It feels like they probably do have some people in mind, right? Yeah, and you know what? Maybe if they're going to go with a younger, less experienced coach, maybe they want to get some of the issues that they perceive in the room out of the room. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. going to say, wouldn't it make more sense to, you know, let this season play out however it's going to play out and then revisit everything at the mm-hmm. end of the season? Okay, we need to fix this. We need to change this. This player needs to be moved if we can. And, and this player maybe is more of a player than we thought he was. He needs more time on the ice. We got to figure out ways. They just have to – it's going to be a hard reset mm-hmm. after this season because you fire a coach midway through – a coach that we all agree, I think, has done a great job and was doing a great job this year, but players were not responding. You're going to have to just re- hit the reset button and figure out what parts of this team work well, what parts don't, and, and where can we get better and how can we get better sooner rather than later. Yeah, they they have to be able to figure that out. And I'm just interested in 
is this going to be a younger coach? Is this going to be a coach with a lot more experience? What kind of coach is going to get the most out of these guys in that room? Doug Armstrong has talked at length about being able to connect with young players. And I'm thinking a 65-year-old Joel Quenville probably is not the guy you choose to connect with young players. Probably not. I'm guessing somebody probably that is closer to the age of the players that you're paying a lot of money to and might have issues with. But then you lose experience in that, too. Yeah, you do. So you put together a veteran staff. I, 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 man, listen, I, I don't, for me, I don't care who's the coach, if I'm the player. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who you bring in here. You want, the coach you need is a guy that's going to teach you how to play the game. Expect, uh, uh, demand you to work your hardest and be your best every single day. But at the end of the day, even all those things aside, if I don't go out and do what I was, what I am capable of mm-hmm. doing, then it doesn't matter. It, it, it's not... It's not about the coach and, and his X's and O's and his philosophy and his pregame speeches. It's about me. It's about me doing my job. And I think this team collectively has not – they have not done a good enough job every single night. And it doesn't matter who you bring in. You can bring in the greatest coach of all time if the dang on players don't want to do their job at the level. It's not going to matter. Kerry, you are 100% right. And that's why I think that – most of us were stunned and saddened by the departure of Craig Berube because we know Berube can coach a Stanley Cup mm-hmm. championship team, but we don't know before. if these players are capable of it or if they're willing to sacrifice enough to win. Well, and that's what I think has been most telling with everybody that we talked to. You have Bernie on today, and then you have Jeremy on yesterday. And just talking to everybody and Curbs, everybody was very surprised because this is exactly what we expected from the Blues this season. And will they likely make another coaching change? Probably not this season, like during the season. At the end, I do agree with you guys that that is more likely the case here. But it doesn't seem like Army is very set on Bannister being the next head coach, no. barring something crazy happening, they go on another Stanley Cup run-ish because that was that was uh, no. unexpected. Yeah. And I just don't think that that group, this group, is capable of that. No, it, that's fair, aren't. right? Yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah, yeah. They, there are no Ryan O'Reillys, there are no Alexander Steens, there are no Jaden Schwartzes, there are no Vladimir Tarasenko's, there's no Alex Petrangelo's, there's no Jay Bowmeisters on this team. So no, it's it's not going to happen. But that being said, they can play with a little bit more fire. Braden Shen, the captain, how do they do that? Yeah, just, uh, yeah, that passion, it, it should come from within. You, you, you can't um, try and teach guys to be passionate. If you're, you're playing uh, for the city and, and uh, each other and your teammates, uh, passion should just come out naturally. Um, you know, uh, you should want to win. You should want to, you know, cheer in your teammate. You should want to have personal success. And, and um you know, I, I don't think uh, you can't teach guys to be passionate. It's either you have it in you or you don't. And um, right now, uh, you know, I, I think you're going to see some passion here moving forward. I think it's been a little bit stale uh, in our locker room, and um, we've tried different ways to get it out. But uh, right now, the like I said, go back to where we were with the accountability. Uh, there's going to be a that moving forward. So that right there should turn uh, – there's some lights on in, in, uh, in everyone's head in the organization and moving forward. Either you have passion or you don't, is what Braden Shen said. Mm-hmm. If it takes for someone to lose their job for you to realize, oh, I should play hard, you, you probably don't have it in you. I, I, the great Don Beebe, who I... Uh, adore great man trained me when I was coming out of college you saw one of the greatest plays in football NFL Super Bowl history is him chasing down in a game that they had no chance of winning Don Beebe said you can't put in what God left out 
And mm-hmm. if you don't got heart, if you don't have passion, if you don't have the desire to show up and do your job every day, Braden Shin can't help you. Craig Berube is fired. He couldn't help you. Armstrong can't help you. Benner can't help you. No one can help you do what you should be willing to do every single day for yourself and for your teammates. That's a you thing. Accountability is making sure you are doing what you need to do every single day. And and if you're not willing or unwilling to do that, then, then nothing is going to change that. And that's the ultimate question. Is that something that can be taught? Nope. Is that? No. No. That has I, to come within you, The right? most frustrating thing for me as a coach and as a former player was having teammates or coaching players that have so much ability but don't have the drive or the will yeah. to do what needs to be done to be great or be successful. Because I, I don't know any other way. I, I'm going to give you everything I got. But if you're not willing to, to sacrifice time, energy, effort, pain, what are we doing? Right. We're, Co- we're wasting time. Coming up, we're going to turn to baseball. Greg Amzinger in L.A. for the Shohei Otani press conference tonight. John Heyman reporting this morning on MLB Network that the Yankees and Dodgers are the co-favorites to land Yoshi Yamamoto right now. We'll talk to Greg about that and more next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. We go to the celebrity line right now, and we go to the West Coast where our buddy Greg Amzinger, a native of St. Louis, product of the Lindenwood University and the lead anchor for MLB Network is with us. Greg will be on your TV tonight as the Dodgers introduce Shohei Otani and his new 10-year, $700 million contract. Greg, good morning. How are you doing? You know what? Not as well as Shohei Otani. I mean, <laughs> if you can defer $680 million, you're living a good life. And I'm very happy for him. Would you defer, by the way, $680 million of yours? You know what? It's, it's an interesting idea. The more I think about it, let's take, uh, take away all the New Balance money, all the money he has on the side, which is like astronomical. He doesn't need the salary. That's how blessed he is. But when you're like in the grind and watching these players focus like they do around the clock to get their bodies to be performing at this level, you really don't have a lot of free time. You're not going to do anything crazy with your free time because you can't let your body go to hell. So I, I kind of like the idea of just, you know, I'm going to live $2 million, a lot of money, but knowing that when I'm done, I can really go buck wild and I'm living off $68 million a year for 10 years. That sounds pretty fun to me. For some reason, I can't see Shohei Otani going buck wild, Greg. <laughs> that, would be, that would be great to see, though, wouldn't it? Well, you know, no one understands that what happens to a baseball player. They say baseball players die twice. They say they die when they retire because all the world rolled out the red carpet for them. Those red carpets aren't there anymore. The doors aren't opening for them anymore. So you never know. It's kind of like they had two midlife crises. So he might need to buy like 35 Corvettes when he retires. (laughs) You don't know what Buck Wild is, okay? So it's like a different definition for everybody. Do you think that Shohei Otani is worth the 10-year $700 million? Yes, absolutely, no doubt in my mind. He pays for himself, and that's just the truth. You're going to get so many international businesses wanting to sponsor and, and, and pour money into your Dodger product. The TV ratings are going to be astronomical, I mean, through the roof, to watch this guy. 
Uh, he's going to be in Hollywood. So all this other merchandise uptick and and platforms that you don't even know that the Dodger brand could be a part of will be a they'll they'll, they'll be strutting their logo everywhere. He is different than every player we've ever seen. He's two players in one. And, you know, if you just want to break it down, uh, we have uh, we have pitchers that make over $40 million a year. We have position players that make over $40 million a year. Now, you tell me which of those players are so much better than Shohei Otani at pitching or hitting. Hmm. Which one of them? So it looks to me he got a home. He gave them a hometown discount. Mm. <laughs> That's not forty million a year times two. It's seventy million, and I think he's worth every single penny. And what you'll see is a guy that's obviously committed to winning to do this deferred money, and because he's committed to winning like this, he's absolutely worth seven hundred million because you're going to build a great roster around him. The Dodgers are going to be a force for years to come. Greg, there was a, a report that the San Francisco Giants may have offered him a similar contract or maybe even more, uh, but obviously he turned it down and went to the Dodgers. Ken Rosenthal says the perceptions about San Francisco are affecting their ability to recruit star free agents. They have a city problem. Do you agree with that? You know, it's funny. I was saying this. I'm not, I'm not trying to like toot my own horn here and say that Ken stole my story, but I saw Ken. <laughs> I saw Ken in Nashville, and he tried to give me a, like a handshake, an awkward handshake. And you know how we all have buddies where you're like offended by that, right? Like if one of your friends puts his hand out and you haven't seen him in a while, you're like, "What are you doing? Give me a hug." So I like hug little Ken Rosenthal. I adore. <laughs> Ken Rosenthal. I'm not saying I planted this in his mind, but I was walking around saying San Francisco has an issue. The, the Giants have an issue. And if you go back in time, Jean-Carlo Stan would, accept, would not accept a trade to go play in San Francisco. I repeat all the stuff that he wrote about. Aaron Judge said no. Carlos Correa said no. They can't get Shoei Otani for which money they offer him $700 million. Um, th- there are a lot of things going on, but I do believe the politics connected to Major League Baseball, it is what it is. You got a bunch of millionaires, mostly come from the, the southern portion of our country, where politically it leans red. And they don't want big government with fewer taxes. So they go to, to, to states and they buy property in states where their income is not taxed. And San Francisco is so not that way. California, extremely high taxes. But San Francisco is viewed as the ultimate liberal haven. And Major League Baseball players are not that way. I mean, Aaron Judge is not, not that way. I never believed for a second that Aaron Judge was going to sign up the San Francisco Giants. Did he use the Giants to, to drive the price of poker up, to get what he wanted out of the Yankees? I, yeah, absolutely. Maybe Otani did the same thing. Uh, maybe Correa did the same thing. But at the end of the day, the Giants got to figure out a way to, to rethink this. Because even if you go back in time to their three championship teams, name the big money guy they had. They were able to re-sign uh, uh, Matt Cain. Uh, Tim Lincecum really had, never got a huge bite of the apple, um, but it was Barry Zito who, you know, in his off time had a man bun and played the guitar at, at cafes, right? Like, this is the kind of guy they were able to lure to be a giant And when he was a free agent. They never signed marquee free agents for those three championship teams. So this has been going on a while. The last major free agent they landed was Barry Bonds. He made that ballpark look small. No one else has been able to do that. That's another issue they have. 
I, I just I, I see this as an ongoing problem for the San Francisco Giants, and the way we used to look at them as a brand is going in the wrong direction, unfortunately. Hey, Greg, your colleague John Heyman reporting on MLB Network this morning that the Yankees and the Dodgers are now tied in terms of being the favorites for Yamamoto. Uh, first of all, do you expect that you might get some word on that tonight? Second of all, the Dodgers, even with Shohei Otani, they need to build a starting rotation for 2024, don't they? They do. They do. They don't have enough. Uh, even Clayton Kershaw sitting out there right now. They're going to start taking care of business immediately after today's press conference, which you can see live on MLB tonight. I'll be with Harold Reynolds. We'll be interviewing Shohei Otani, Andrew Friedman, everybody, even Stan Kasten, uh, the president of, uh, of the of the organization. Uh, I, I think Yamamoto has a major decision to make. And if I'm Yamamoto, do I want to sit in the shadows after I set a $300 million contract and let this one star steal the headlines again when it comes to the United States. I mean, Yamamoto, no matter what he does, and he might be even more decorated as a pitcher than Shohei Otani. Statistically, he is. But if he signs with the Los Angeles Dodgers, it's like, oh, yeah, we also have Yamamoto. It's always Otani. It's going to be Otani's team. Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman are going to feel that. They're, gonna, you know, they're, they're really gracious, and they're very kind gentlemen, so they'll be on board. But Shohei Otani doesn't really want to be around the media all that much. It comes his way, but he wants to avoid it. So to be on Shohei Otani's team, which Yamamoto knows all about, is people asking you about Shohei Otani. Hmm. No matter what you did, you're getting asked questions about your teammate mm-hmm. Shohei Otani. So I, I still think, and I know Otani's part of the recruiting process to land him, I still put the Yankees ahead of the Dodgers in the free agent uh, recruitment of this young man because I think he wants to carve his own, his own niche. Is Garrett Cole a great pitcher? He is. He's not 25 years old. So Yamamoto is going to sign a $300 million contract. Well, he'll be in uniform for that team that he signs with much longer than Garrett Cole will be pitching for the New York Yankees. So I, I think he's still leaning towards an East Coast team to carve out his own niche here in the United States. Greg, just because we didn't get to talk to you about this last week, but what do you think about the announcement that Yadier Molina will be the new special assistant of the president of baseball operations, a special assistant to the president of baseball operations to John Mosellock? I love the move. Um, people look at it and go, oh, this is tough for Ali Marmel. His replacement is upstairs sitting next to the GM. Uh, please don't think that. That's not what's happening. The only way Ali Marmel is not managing the St. Louis Cardinals is if John Mosellock is not in the front office of the St. Louis Cardinals. It is just the way it is. Ali Marmel is doing everything that John Mosellock wants to do. Now, can Yadier Molina inject some um, in-game common sense up in that room, up in that front office? Absolutely he can. Now, I'm not saying the front office is lacking common sense. I'm saying this is a, a trend throughout Major League Baseball where when everyone thinks the same thing and they're all in line analytically, it's actually smart to have someone who thinks differently up there because groupthink doesn't really lead you to the most success over the course of 162, which doesn't. So Yadier Molina has the machismo to sit up there and say whatever he wants. And he's going to offer his opinion. And if you roll your eyes at that opinion, then you're just you're, you're, you're hurting yourself. You're hurting the organization. So I think Yadier Molina is going to be perfect at this job. Um, do I think it leads to him managing the St. Louis Cardinals someday? I do not think that. 
uh, unless there's a different GM, unless there's someone that is inexperienced, that takes over, uh, that is new president of baseball operations. As long as John Mozilla is there, he's not going to put somebody in that seat that's going to push back on him. That's just not going to happen. But I do think it's great the Cardinals made sure that Yadier Molina's intellect and experience is in their suite, in their front office suite, because that can only benefit the Cardinals. Greg, last thing before we let you go, you were at the winter meetings, as we mentioned uh, last week, and you got a chance to talk to all of the principals from the Cardinals. Uh, With the three people that they have signed, Gibson, Lynn, Gray, are they done? They're done with free agency, in my opinion. And based on everything they're saying, they're done with free agency. Do I think that they're going to really focus on their bullpen? Absolutely. It's one of the worst bullpens in baseball last year. Uh, it was musical chairs. That's who they were going to give the ball to when the game mattered and it was on the line. I, I, I think they acquire at least two more relievers before we're done and head off to spring training. I would more than likely it's going to be three. Um, they need they need to reimagine this bullpen. They will, just like they added the starters that we all assumed that they were going to add. Not not exactly the pitchers that we thought they were going to add, but we knew they were going to add two to three starters. Same thing with the bullpen. But I don't think it's going to be free agent starters. They might sign free agent relievers, uh, but you're not going to see a major A-list free agent coming off the board going to the St. Louis Cardinals. And no trades, right? Uh, trades are in the mix. Uh, the problem, the problem with trades, there are too many people that want to trade for the names that everybody wants. So Corbin Burns, Dylan Cease, Tyler Glass. Now the price of poker is astronomical right now, and with the Cardinals trading Tyler O'Neill already, I just don't know how many more pieces out of their cupboard they're going to throw in to acquire one of these guys. Would it be amazing if they did? Absolutely, but I. I'd really be surprised at this point from what I'm hearing it would take to acquire one of those three pitchers. I think that's too steep for the Cardinals. I'm pleasantly stunned that you're joining us from L.A. and you're not on a golf course. Uh, you know, I haven't been on a golf course in forever, Randy. And you know what that probably means? I'm going to play great the next time I see it up. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it's it works. Just, I, I, isn't it sad? Isn't it sad? The more I play, the worse I get. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> I, I know the feeling. Welcome <laughs> to my world, brother. <laughs> oh, it's good to be here, Randy. It's good to be here. Thanks for opening the door. Hey, you got it. We will uh, be tuned in tonight for the Otani press conference. As always, thanks for the time. Thanks for joining us from L.A., and we'll uh, talk soon. All right, you guys are the best. Take care. Thanks, Greg. See you. Greg Amsinger, MLB Network, here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've kind of watched a, a tradition crumble here in St. Louis. Same thing is happening where Kerry Davis used to play. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I mean, you can bring guys in that are veterans, but they're not... Just because they're a veteran football player doesn't mean that they're a stealer. Like, they know what it is to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. Um, you know, when I left, I was kind of the last guard there, obviously. Like, Pouncey left the year before, Dave left. Like, those guys left, and it was like, I was the last one. There was such an age gap for me and everybody else on offense that there just wasn't that Steeler tradition passed down. And I just, you have it on defense, don't get me wrong, but you don't have it on offense right now. And it's, it's just making it really hard. You're not seeing, in my opinion, the toughness on offense. Um, and, and I say toughness in the sense of a Steeler toughness. Mm. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with like, like okay, this guy's soft. Or like, who's who's grabbing someone by the face mask and being like, uh-uh. Yeah. That's not, no, that's not, not what, what we doing. do. That's not yeah. what we do. 
That is Ben Roethlisberger, the former Steeler quarterback, on his podcast, Footballing with Ben Roethlisberger. He said, quote, maybe the tradition of the Pittsburgh Steelers is done. Kerry Davis, your take. That's painful to hear. And, and it's painful to hear because, you know, we know, I know what he means about toughness on offense or, or the mindset on offense. I, I've watched George Pickens. I've watched Deontay Johnson come off the ball on run plays and not do a thing. Whereas I play with a wide receiver that broke people's jaws Mm -hmm. in blocking. Literally, you would motion him down. I mean, he literally broke a guy's jaw. But you could motion him down and have him go block a defensive end or block a linebacker. And and he's going to be a Hall of Fame wide receiver at some point in his career. He's been a finalist for a couple of times in Heinz Ward. This is the toughness that he's speaking of. It's the willingness to do things for your team that may not be in the stat book. It's not going to show up because you made a great block on a safety that sprung an 80-yard run or a 30-yard run. But it's crucial. And and there's a play, if anyone gets a chance, Christian McCaffrey broke a 75-yard run in that game last weekend. And Brandon Ayuk was running downfield, made another block downfield, and, and, and helped him get five to ten more yards on the run. Those are the things that when you have a championship team that matter because that's not going to show up in the in the, in the, in the in the stat sheet but every man in that film room that watches that on Monday or Wednesday when they watch film is going to say that's a teammate that I want on my team and right now Pittsburgh the Pittsburgh Steelers are not they're not showing that right now and that's a very tough statement there when you hear that when he says it feels like the Steeler way is just not there maybe the tradition of the Pittsburgh Steelers is done that's a pretty big statement is that him talking about just the players or is he also trying to call out Tomlin and his staff well I think it's all tied in hand in hand I mean I think the reason why it has slipped in such a way and then the crazy part is it's still there defensively. Yeah. Like you saw, you heard a couple of weeks ago that Minka Fitzpatrick and Deontay Johnson got into it in the locker room. I don't think defensively, I think those guys know what Pittsburgh Steeler football means and, and what it means to be a Steeler and, and and show up in that city, hard hat, blue collar, go to work every single day, make plays. You're not going to make all of them, but you make more than you miss. And that's what they do defensively. Offensively, it has turned into some type of diva receiver uh, offensive mentality. In Pittsburgh, we offensively, we didn't wear sleeves. Like, it, it was a mindset. Like, Hines saying, oh, we don't wear sleeves here. It, it, Hines, it's seven degrees outside. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. We're not wearing sleeves. And it's not about being comfortable or being tough. It's mental because that team on the other sideline from Miami or from Jacksonville on, in, in January is looking at us like, these guys are crazy. Well, mm-hmm. it's freezing out here. It's cold for everybody, but mentally, we're tougher than you, and we're going to show it. And that's what this team has not been. They haven't been showing that, especially on the offensive side. So I, I understand what Ben is saying, and and I think you know we all are a part of of making sure that the legacy and the tradition is passed on. For somehow, somehow, some way, it has lost it. They have lost it on the offensive side of the ball. There is a way to get players. All you do, do have to do is draft a bunch of Big Ten offensive linemen, right? And that helps. It, it does. But the other thing that you need to do is find somebody from an offensive standpoint that can instill that sort of attitude and demeanor. I wonder where that person is. Michigan does that, right? Michigan plays that kind of football. But wh- where do you find that guy that can instill that sort of attitude? You you have to have, like he said, there's a, there's a level of respect amongst men in those locker rooms. 
And if you are not being respectful of our jobs, of our work that we have to put out here every single Sunday, Thursday night, whatever it is, that's problematic. And so now the conversation is 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 more confrontational. Hey, you going to get this done or not? Mm-hmm. It, it started off as, hey, bro, we need you to do this. I, you got to make that block. It's very, you know, pat on the back. After a while, it's like, I asked you a couple of times, man, don't keep messing this up because we want to win and you are a vital, crucial, critical part of us winning games. Check it out. It's the Footballin' with Ben Roethlisberger podcast and really pointed words about where the Steelers are right now. And oh, by the way, it's kind of like watching the Cardinals with the, their lack of fundamentals last year. The, the tradition that was built over so many years falls off and it's not what I grew up watching and knowing, and I'm sure for Pittsburgh Steelers fans that are my age, even before, because they were great in the 70s too, it's the same thing. It's just not the Steeler way anymore. As we head down the stretch on this edition of the opening drive on 101 ESPN, we've got some Def Leppard and Journey tickets to give away. That's going to be fun. <laughs> oh, no. Journey. Do, do we? Do we? Oh, yeah, we've got it. Yeah. Uh, Def Leppard and J O J O U R N E R Y. Oh, yeah. So we've got those to give away. Oh, no. Yeah, we got them. Oh, we no. got them for you. Uh, that's next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. We got stuff going on galore. We got curbs at chicken and pickle on Sunday from 11 to 1. Let's say, uh, Chicken and pickle, it, you know what they have? They have chicken, and then they have pickleball. Oh, so yeah. they don't have pickles on chicken, like Chick-fil-A? They probably do they, have they probably on do, chicken probably as well. Mm, yeah, that's so, the secret with Chick-fil-A. Did you know that? It's pickle. delicious. Well, they and marinate with some pickle juice. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, says the former Chick-fil-A employee who didn't sign the NDA. <laughs> Oopsies. <laughs> Wait, how long do those last? <laughs> Whoopsies. <laughs> Sunday is the first ever pickleball tournament at the new Chicken and Pickle. And it's open on Sunday. Oh, by the way, uh, plenty more <laughs> happening at their new facility that includes 11 pickleball courts, a game yard, a rooftop bar, and much more. Check it out Sunday with Curbs. We'll be at Chicken and Pickle from 11 to 1 in St. Charles. Get more info at 101ESPN.com. I haven't got that perfect holiday gift for somebody yet. 101ESPN merch. We've got a merch store, and we are going to provide proceeds to Operation Food Search throughout the month of December. We have partnered with STL Shirt Company to provide ES, 101 ESPN t-shirts and hoodies, hats and more that uh, have the Dunctionary, Be Patient, Jamie Rivers and Brad Thompson jerseys. Order any 101 ESPN clothing during the month of December. Proceeds from all sales go to support Operation Food Search. Visit the 101 ESPN online merch store now at 101ESPN.com, powered by McBride Homes. And you want to go to an awesome concert? Well, Matthew's going to give you a couple of tickets. It's Def Leppard and it's Journey, and they've also got Cheap Trick coming with them on July 6th. Also Heart, and also the Steve Miller Band. It's going to be epic. It's going to be awesome. Tickets go on sale tomorrow, but you can get some right now by just texting us with the answer to the question that Matthew's going to have for you. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO for your chance to win tickets. And oh, by the way, a bonus chance to register to win tickets at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app. Okay, Matthew, how can people get the Def Leppard and Journey tickets right now? Well, uh... <laughs> 
That's just mean. That's just mean. Uh, we had a guest today that kind of that, that that sparked this trivia question for everybody. So we're gonna go with texture number thirty-five on this one. Okay. And my question to you, everyone, is who's the only coach in Blues history with above a five hundred record in the playoffs? Ooh. Who's the only coach in Blues history with above a five hundred record in the playoffs? Text in the name. And if you're texter number 35, you will get it. You'll get the tickets if you're correct. You have to have the, the correct name, texter number 35. Cool. Yes, you do. And also, uh, Carrie earlier today brought up a, a very funny situation. I think it was Tioli when you brought up the, the Giannis uh, game ball. Yeah. Was that Tioli when you brought yep. that up? Well, after you brought that up, I, 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 I dug a little deeper, and I got the audio from Rick Carlisle, who's the head coach of the Indiana Pacers. And... I, I love everything about this story because it's a story that means so little. That there's zero consequence. No one's getting hurt. This doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. And yet, the way that it's being talked about is incredible. Here's Rick Carlisle yesterday after the uh, situation. What happened at the after the game was uh, was unfortunate. There was there's a misunderstanding about the game ball. Um, it was Oscar Shibwe's first NBA official NBA point. So. We always get the game ball. We were not thinking about Giannis's franchise record, so we grabbed the ball and um, a couple of, a couple of minutes later, several of their players ended up in our hallway, and there was a big a big uh, kerfuffle. I don't know. I don't know what to call it—a fracas, a melee, a melee, whatever. I don't think any punches were landed, but my general manager got elbowed in the ribs by one of their players. Um, and so he certainly has a bruised, bruised rib, and who knows, you know, if it's anything more than that. But um, unfortunate situation. We don't need the the official game ball. There's two game balls there. Um, you know, we could have taken the other one. Um, but it didn't need to escalate to that. <laughs> there was apparently a, a fracas, he called. I, I would have went with kerfuffle. I would have gone kerfuffle, too. Yeah. And, then and, and he said, and he said no punches landed, but my GM did get a elbow to the ribs. What do you say? Assistant, assistant GM, sorry. So which means that there were punches thrown. If you say elbow. there were no punches that, landed, no. that he means punches elbow. were thrown. The way that he elbow. phrased but it. Why are you snitching, man? That wasn't. Like, you, you, you. There's video. He's been in, yeah, but and let them sort the video out. You don't. Yeah. And one of their players elbowed a guy, and he may have hurt his ribs. Come on, man. It sounds like a boo boo. And Giannis, and Giannis on the on the other side um, <laughs> sat there at the podium, and was just like, "No, they, I got a game ball." He goes, "But this isn't the game ball." He goes, "I played 34 minutes tonight. I know what the game ball feels like. This doesn't feel like the game ball." And it's just the I I love just the reaction on both sides of the court to the point where the multiple Bucks players. Apparently tried to go to the Pacers locker room to get the what? game ball for Giannis. That's I listen. That level is is just insane to me. There is one reason and one reason only that the Nassis uh Antetokounmpo is on a roster. <laughs> right? And yeah. that is to make sure that his brother is protected at all times. And that is the player that went to go get said game ball for his This is Big Brother, right? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's yeah. the only brother. Big brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why he's here. Don't, don't make a mistake about it. And what's going to happen when Giannis scores 65? Is he going to just say, okay. He's going to want that one, too. Yeah, but the, can he give the 64 back to the guy who scored his first bucket? Yeah, be all right. I wonder if Giannis has his first uh, official points in the NBA ball. Oh, Probably not. that's a good question. 
Yeah. 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 He, he was a first round pick. Yep. So he was, he was a big deal. Did this uh, graduate from fracas to kerfuffle? To what, did it become a brouhaha? I think Ooh, it might. I think it, I think like it might have been a full on brouhaha. Rick Car- Carlisle, it was Rick Carlisle. It was a uh, a bar fight. Yeah, a melee. A melee. <laughs> it was yeah. like the malice at the And there was a big, a big. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to call it. A fracas. A fracas. A fracas. Fracas doesn't Causing fly a for fracas. me. Yeah. I'm, I'm going with melee. Sure. Yeah. Sky. This guy here. He's played. He played too long. He played and coached too long. Maybe speaking of NF, uh, NBA players, maybe getting a little. Uh, extemporaneous with their hands outside of the bounds of the mm. game. Kerry Davis, we mentioned it earlier. Draymond Green indefinitely suspended by the NBA. Mm. Again, this is his fourth time being suspended in the calendar year of 2023. He was suspended two <laughs> times <laughs> in the second half of last year's regular season. He hauls off and tries to murder Rudy Gobert on national television <laughs> like a week oh, and a half is, ago. Oh, that is and so then, much. He's, he, he's mur- been suspended 18 times. He's been suspended 18 different times across his yeah, career. He probably needs to tighten up, man. Like, he, he probably needs <laughs> maybe, to. CD, just maybe. Maybe, CD. Maybe. He side. needs to tighten me up. up. I, yeah, I, yeah, definitely. I was on his side when he choked Rudy out. I was okay with that. You can't just roundhouse right somebody just because they kind of moving you he off. He plays with his arms really wide, though, yeah, is what he said. That full was of, a direct you know smack to the yeah, face. Well, that it, was it, insane. It was a, he, was, he was trying to hit him. Yeah. He, now, I, to his defense, he wasn't trying to hit him that hard. Oh, but come he on. was trying to hit him. The yeah. way that he, he flailed his body. The way he flailed his body. It would have been hard. better if it would have been the left hand coming back and, and doing that than as opposed to the right hand coming all the way. He's around. just playing in the wrong era. This is all that is. Because <laughs> you could undercut a guy and watch him do, you know, tumble all the yeah. way to the ground. It was awesome. Yeah, so he'll he'll be up for a while, and he's going to have to buy in to the idea that he has a problem. He's going to undergo counseling. They and, stink, too. Yeah. Oh, they're bad, yeah. Oh, my God. He's like, yeah, he's like three or four hours late. Like, like I don't even yeah. think that, like like Rasheed Wallace said this he is our fault, boy. but I don't think he I don't think definitely could yes, play for that's the what bad I'm saying. Boys. This I don't know if this would have flown in 2005 in the NBA with no. like the, with that no, Pistons squad. 90s. This wouldn't have flown. I mean, this is 80s, this is 80s, 80s, this is yeah. Riley era Knicks or Bad Boys era Pistons. Like those are the last time you were hauling off and punching guys this full on in the middle of the game. Danny Ainge and Kurt exactly. Rambis, yes, exactly. yeah, yeah. clothesline. Yeah. No no layups here. You thinking? <laughs> he's a step behind Kermit Washington. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's not that far. Because no. Kermit tried. Now nah, he tried to kill he somebody. Did. Rudy T. Yeah, he tried to kill Rudy Tomjanovich. Now nah, that, that he got, the, he got, he got the closest. He, yeah, he Kermit, Kermit he talks about that one. He's just like, I just, I hit him like I usually hit people. It's yeah. like, well, Rudy did not take it well. No, nah, he, he neither did his to, face. No, 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 no. no, no. Uh, great job today by our producer and audio and video engineer Matthew Rocchio. Thank you. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun today? Yes. Good. How about that? How about that? How about that? CD. What's <laughs> your face? We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? Hey, we had a great interview today with Bernie Federico. Michael, Michael Yo in studio was a lot of fun. By the way, you can see him at Funny Bone tonight. Just uh, Google Funny Bone Westport and get tickets and see uh, Michael Yo and Greg Amsinger also on the podcast brought to you by Dobbs Iron Auto Center. By the way, Michael Yo six and five in his playoff career for the St. Louis Blues, the only oh. coach over five hundred. Quinville and a couple other ones exactly at five hundred. What about Chief? Uh, Chiefs just below five hundred. Wow, how about that? How about that? 40. That's why <laughs> I, think it's 40, I think it's four eighty five. I didn't make it. Top of my head. Okay, balloon party coming up.
And then after that, uh, BK and Ferrario from 11 to 2, and then the fast lane this afternoon. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great Friday Eve, everyone. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.